My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it's the WNR 220. It's WWE versus WCW, and it's May 1999. But let's start off with the alternate intro. And what would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do. Man, two chicks at the same time, man. That's it. If you had a million dollars, you'd do two chicks at the same time. Damn straight. I always wanted to do that, man. And if and I think if I had a million dollars, I could hook that up because chicks dig a dude with money. Well, not all chicks. Well, the kind of chicks that are double up on a dude like me do. That's a good point. Well, what about you now? What would you do? What, besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? Yeah, I'd relax. I'd sit my ass all day and I would do nothing. Well, you don't need millions of dollars to do that. Man, just take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Can't do shit. <laughs> and that is from, and that is from Office Space 1999, and now the proper intro. In 1999, WCW and WWF were the two biggest wrestling companies in the world, and for the past couple of years had traded the number one slot. But as the year started, it seemed WWF had a plan to continue its hugely successful Attitude Era, while WCW had seemingly lost the plot. Rather than focusing on super, uh, on younger talents like Booker T, Benoit and the Super over Goldberg, it instead pushed over the hill stars Hogan, Piper and Flair and continued the NWO even though it had passed its peak. This year the WNL podcast goes back 20 years and witnesses WWE's rise and WCW's demise. This is WWE versus WCW The Monday Night War. We continue in the WWF, and on the last roll, a corporate ministry stood tall, but Untaker had promised an even greater power. So we move on, and it's episode 311. On May the 10th, 1999, WWE broadcast an episode of Raw that achieved an 8.1 rating, the show's highest ever. With the low ratings the show has gotten in recent years, 8.1 seems like a faraway dream of a number. All right, so what got so many fans to watch and how can we recreate that today? 
while Raw rocked the Orlando Arena and the world with big names and frailing feuds and intense... Fans gearing up for Over the Edge. There was a bubbling energy throughout the company. With Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler at the announcer's table and Stone Cold and The Rock in the building, let's try to figure out what made the highest-rated rate- episode tick. And we start off our first match with Kane versus Billy Gunn. Well, fireworks and a screaming Orlando crowd kicks things off and soon darkness hit. Kane's music came on and the Big Red Machine received a huge pop. Well, as Billy Gunn approached the ring, a crazy fan jumped over the railing to hug him. Distracted Gunn soon got clock courtesy of Kane. The majority of this match, Kane is delivering an ass whooping. It's a story of revenge and Gunn plays the weasel heel who gets what's coming to him. The brawl which entertained in parts came to a chaotic close when a shoeless road dog, ex-Puck Dino Brown and Mark Henry got involved. This is a trademark of the Attitude Era. Overlapping feuds... Kane has an issue with Gunn that are mostly resolved here, but Kane and X-Pac have a rivalry going with Brown and Henry. Meanwhile, the New Age Outlaws had recently split and Gunn and Road Dog were at each other's throats. Well, the match itself couldn't bring in a whole host of viewers on its own, but it was simply a single part of a bigger picture, one battle in a long war. And then we go on to an in-ring promo. Yeah, the stable union, which consisted of Big Show, Tess, Mick Foley, Vincent Mann and Ken Shamrock, stomped their way into the ring, wielding two-by-fours. Well, Vince called out Shane, who promptly showed up with the corporate ministry. For those who don't remember, that particular group boasted a lineup of The Undertaker, Paul Ben, Big Bossman, Triple H, and China, among a few others. Here's another key to Raw's success at the time, the large stable. These small army-like groups helped provide feuds with staying power and allowed versatility in the matches between them. There was a real sense of hate between these groups as evidence by this showdown and Commissioner Shawn Michaels then appeared via video feed and proceeded to make the crowd laugh while goofing off and announcing matches for the rest of the show this is a simple way to have viewers stick around they now know which of their favourite wrestlers are appearing and can get geared up about the exciting six man tag team main event with Shane, Triple H and The Undertaker versus The Rock, Steve Austin and Vince and our next match is Big Show versus Paul Bearer fucking hell (laughs) well fans had to know this wouldn't end up being a real match. I mean, how many bumps was Paul Bearer really going to take? Yeah, but the thought of the Weasel Hill getting whipped on national TV had to be enticing, regardless of how unlikely it was actually to go down. Well, two moves in, The Undertaker made his entrance. The whole thing quickly disintegrated into a brawl. There was an unsatisfying sense to this encounter as Bearer got away mostly unscathed. It's that feeling that was harnessed so well during this era, one that left the fans wanting more. Well... This is what enticed me into this event, and it's probably what enticed most of the viewers, but it's Deborah versus Sable. Although the WF Women's Championship was being contested, this was everything close to resembling a wrestling match. An evening gown match between two athletically challenged and well-endowed females was meant only to titulate the young male demographic. Well, how many fans were tuning in in just hoping that one of these women's bras would get ripped off and the fans chanting, we want poppies, would get their wish. With a slew of innuendos from the announce table, the match... Well, let's, let's just watch the match. And of course, two not a lot brings out the big Valboski. Well, we see what happened on last week's Raw with him taking Deborah away and maybe he's here to take Sable away as well tonight. Is that what WWE's missing now? A kind of male porn star wrestler? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's missing in there. <laughs> or pimp. Oh no, Sable! From behind, ripping Deborah's dress off. And Sable's undressed, and uh, Deborah's undressed, and Sable is still your women's champion. 
What a total match. That's one of the best title matches in history. Oh, now Bass going after Venus. And it's the first time I've ever seen Val Venus backing away from a oh! woman. Well, there's Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T with a guitar over Val Venus's head. And Michael Cole's in the ring, ready to interview the winner of this evening gown matchup. And the commissioner's got the microphone. He's dressed up like a member of the Shield. <laughs> oh, and Deborah's awarded the women's championship because Sean says the winner should be the woman who gets the clothes taken off, especially if she's got puppies that we haven't seen yet because they will, of course, be on Playboy. So anything can happen here. We've got new women's champion. What do you think that women's title match, Dan? Well, it's an interesting story. We've just lost the women's title, but... During the height of the attitude era, Sable regularly boasted that she was the woman men came to see and women wanted to be. That first part may have been true to a certain degree, but if the female fans of WWE knew what was going on backstage, they probably wouldn't have traded a place for her despite the fame and attention it would bring. Well, this became public knowledge in mid-1999, when still at the height of her popularity, Sable dramatically walked out of WWE and sued the company for harassment. Few details about the case were ever made public, but now that's all said and done. Several wrestlers, including X-Pac, have basically admitted Sable was telling the truth and they were seriously abusive to her backstage. She also wasn't happy with Vince McMahon repeatedly pressing her to go topless on pay-per-view, a story that sounds wholly believable. Perhaps knowing there was no way out, W quickly and quietly settled a $110 million suit, albeit for a presumably smaller... Well, this was Sable's last match in WWE and appearance for four years. Yeah, she would appear at the UK event this Sunday but apart from that that's her done and when you consider how big she was in 1998 it's a bit of a surprise that Sable over and done with now Dan isn't it you know indeed yes I mean she brought a lot of viewers in especially those who weren't really into it you know with Mark Mero she put in a couple of good performances uh, last year on pay-per-view you know Wrestlemania probably her best one but her ego got two of the day it's job done for Sable move on to our next match Big Boss Man versus Test Test, test, this is test. And it's a nightstick on a pole stipulation. And it smelt terribly of my mate on Twitter, Vince Russo. One of the worst matches of the night probably didn't contribute much to that night's high rating. Yeah, still the fans were into it at points, even when the action consists mostly of slam and then climb, slam and then climb. The reason that a clunky mid-card match like this could generate interest is as part of a larger scale feud. Test and Bossman alone isn't intriguing much of anyone, but as part of the union versus the corporate ministry, it had a lot more drawing power. And our next match is Catches Jack versus Midian and Viscera. Following a cool public service announcement about people saying that WWE isn't real and Val Venus backstage interview, the Raw audience got a treat of seeing Cactus Jack in action. At this point, Mick Foley played Mankind most of the time, and Cactus Sunny came out for the most hardcore of situations. Situation. He took on both Midian and Viscera in an insanely brutal match. Viscera brought a sledgehammer to the ring, Cactus Jack brought a pair of basketballs. <laughs> a slick chest shot and some trash can smashing later, Cactus picked up the wing. And up next is Farouk versus Bradshaw. Well, sure, Michaels booked this lumberjack match, despite the two men involved being tag team partners. Fruke and Bradshaw were more than that, though. They were drinking buddies and... The union served as the lumberjacks, interfering whenever given a chance. This is one of the highlights of the episodes. The existence of the match itself was surprising, and both wrestlers used this stipulation well, carving out an entertaining battle. The ministry eventually came out to stop the union's interference, and the two groups converging, continuing the energy of the feud. 
Not only did the shock of a match excite fans, but WWE tied it into their bigger story. Well, our next match is Mean Street Posse versus the Stooges. Apparently an odd choice to be featured on the Best of Raw 15-year anniversary DVD, but fun to watch in the midst of the episode. The Mean Street Posse would lose to a pair of old-timers and have to leave the WWE forever. The crowd, the crowd remained energetic regardless of how badly the wrestlers stunk up the pace. After a pair of submissions, a shirtless Patterson mimicked Hulk Hogan's <laughs> victory celebration. Sandwiched between more serious matches, fans could appreciate the goofiness of this. Today's Raw often relies too heavily on the silly factor, making it a centrepiece rather than a sideshow. And up next is Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, going against Val Venus. Well, if a new fan were to look up old footage to see why the attitude was so great, this would not be the match to watch. Both Jarrett and Venus seem to have little energy and go through the motions for most of this. The punch-happy brawl plays up their revenge story well, but the action is often stale. And the fans seem more interested in Deborah's chest as evidenced by We Want Puppies chant. And Deborah used said puppies to distract Venus, and Jarrett cracked him in the head with a women's title belt for the tainted victory. Well, up next is Ken Shout versus China. Like the Paul Bearer and Big Show match, most fans knew in the back of their heads this wouldn't be a full-fledged fight. The entertainment is instead drawn from anticipation. Well, as China continued to mock Shamrock and he grew angrier, the emotions of the showdown swelled and the fans stayed glued to the screen wondering how this would end. WWE did a great job of building up China here without sacrificing Shamrock's image. Well, Shamrock's theatrics were masterful and both he and China churned up the crowd with just a few slaps and a single suplex. And the main event is a six-man tag team match. There we go. It's, it's, it's massive when you consider... Well, the Rock broke an arm and all. He broke his arm falling off that stage last week, but Shane's attacked Vince from behind. Undertaker with a choke slam to Vince. Could have put Vince away early. Shawn Michaels calls referee. Undertaker go for the tombstone. And Shane now just directing traffic. He's got Vince on the outside. We'll still wait for Austin. And Undertaker just choking out Vince at man. Rock and Triple H fighting up the stage. And now Rock's back in with Shane. Clocks Shano Mac with that cast on the arm. The glass smashes and Austin makes his way to the ring. The taker going out on the outside. Just like last week and Austin got sent off the stage. It, it, my only problem with action here and I absolutely love it. But it's really, there is, it's re- just brawling most of the time. So it's just, you know, the two men fighting. It's not bad to watch, but it's not really a sound. Is it? Do you know what I mean? Like... No. Rock Irish rips Triple H into the stairs and it just beats him up. Undertaker and Austin beating each other up. Again, like, you know, you can tell the animosity between these two teams. It's like, you know, the Rock hates Triple H. Austin and Undertaker definitely hate each other. Vince, you know, father and son, Vince and Shane. It's, again, it's more storytelling than it is wrestling action. And you think about these, you know, just these three men at the moment. Or four men even were involved there. Be main event, you know, each one of these guys main evented the pay per view from 98 to what, 2002 onwards, you know what I mean? Like, all involved in the big matches as Triple H sent over the top. He's not even champion yet, they're building him up. And he's involved in the main event scene. And you've got Michaels wearing his uh, short shorts there as well. What side's he going to be on? Side of his former DXT member, but then again, he turned his back on them. Uh, well, not them, but. Triple H, when Triple H joined 
Vince McMahon, and it's like, well, what's Sean doing now? Is he just being a commission? Is he just doing things in the interest of WWE? Exactly. Yeah, it's a good question, as he's wearing the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy. Of course, one, one young student would join, Daniel Bryan, in this year, and uh, I think he'd go on to have a successful career. And also go for the stun of Undertaker, but sent into Triple H. Look, his legs taken out from underneath him. The move that doesn't work, the slingshot, sends Triple H into the ring post. As Undertaker eliminates Austin from the Royal Rumble, The Rock's got a rock bottom loaded up, hits Triple H with it, goes for the cover, but The Undertaker just dragging The Rock off before Shawn Michaels could get down to count. Goes Undertaker by the throat, ready to choke slam him, but Austin drags him to the outside as The Rock continues putting the boots to Triple H. Oh, Shane and Vince are in this match still. We can confirm they were near the uh, ringside area. Now they're the two men actually in the ring. Shane with a corporate elbow there. And Shane went for Austin. <laughs> he got hit with a stunner. Vince in the cover. What's Austin doing? He's just pulled Vince McMahon off of Shane. Why did he do that for? To deliver another stunner to <laughs> Shane. He wants the cover <laughs> and the victory. You can still see the slight, you know, bit of uh, animosity between Austin and Vince as well. As he's like, nah, mate, you're not having my cover. <laughs> And Austin's going to celebrate with a cold one. And yeah, the highest rated segment in Raw's history was that right there. And it gave us what we wanted, really. We wanted a couple of stunners, even if the match wasn't, um, you know, the greatest in the world, was it, you know? Exactly. Uh, tosses a beer to the referee. I'm not sure that's a wise idea, throwing alcohol to Shawn Michaels, but... Anywho. Well, the greatness of this episode is not necessarily about the quality of the matches, but the energy and momentum of the stories. Every match had a purpose, and many of them fed into the bigger picture. A feud with great depth from various parts. It was particularly hot night during a hot era. But what can we learn from the most successful ratings grabbing Raw? Well, feuds have to be more complex than Wrestler A is angry with Wrestler B. They should overlap, be multidimensional, and involve several big names. Unpredictability can be gold. A mid-card, the mid-card has to be valued and given ample air time. Announcing a long list of matches beforehand can entice fans to stick around for the whole show. But as much as W can adjust a few things to ball from this episode of this era, you can't recreate the adoration fans have for The Rock, Undertaker, and Austin. Their music elicited explosive reactions every time. Stars of that magnitude may never come around again. Uh, so, before the next episode of Raw, WWE took a whistle stop in the UK. And it was May 16th, 1999. It was no mercy. No mercy! Uh, so, we're in Manchester, England, England. And the corporate ministry came out to start. And they set the stage for tonight and showed man saying that they had no mercy for anybody that wasn't on the corporate ministry's side. Yeah, I mean, because the, the problem is there is nothing worthwhile from this show whatsoever. So you just run through the card quickly, Dan. Well, we had Tiger Ali Singh defeating Gilberg in one minute, five seconds. We had the Ministry of Darkness, Bradshaw, Farouk and Viscera. They defeated the Brood, Christian, Edge and Gangrel in a six-man tag team match in 13 minutes and 49 seconds. Steve Blackman defeated Droz by submission at seven minutes, 43. Kane defeated Midian by disqualification at four minutes, 34. Nicole Bass defeated Tory in 27 seconds. Shane McMahon, who was the champion, defeated X-Pac 
in a singles match for the European Championship. Remember that Shane McMahon's a European champion? Yeah, Shane said he's going to get out of retirement for the night. And, of course, that ended in a shitty way as well. Yep, yeah, and that match ended in 8 minutes, 26 seconds. Billy Gunn defeated Mankind in a singles match in 12 minutes, 17. Do you know, that wasn't actually a bad match. And what was the main event, Dan? Uh, the main event was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he defeated Triple H with China and The Undertaker with Paul Bearer in an anything goes triple threat match for the WWF Championship in 8 minutes 27 seconds. So, you know, he, Austin got a huge response, and like I said, JR and the King on commentary, and it gives it a feel. But this is a nothing pay per view, and you have to spend 15 quid on Sky Box Office to get this at the time. Now, my question for you is we just, because the main event wasn't great, just the traditional brawling. But what would you rather have? Would you rather have a standalone pay-per-view like this in the UK? Or would you rather have your Raws and see? Even though nothing happens on both, I'm going to say. I don't, I'd probably rather have a pay-per-view. Because, you know, even though nothing happens on this particular pay-per-view, I think things can still happen on pay-per-views. There's more chance of things happening on pay-per-views than there is in a Raw or SmackDown. But I think the thing is, in America, they didn't know they, you know, they called it UK-only Pay for you at the time. If it was added to like the list, I think it would be cool if we could have maybe like an extreme rules or a, a money in the bank. But I think WWF treat their UK fans a little bit. I mean, apart from the the total change in Manchester that they've had, there's not really been much. Uh, SummerSlam '92, of course, it's not been great going these past few years, really, has it? You know, nothing has really kind of mattered in the UK. We've seen it now. You know, it's setting up the. Uh, the corporate ministry here as like the kind of factor, but interesting story in the match though, we saw uh, Triple H and Undertaker teaming up and then they would get angry who was going to get the what pinfall over Austin and that's kind of broken out in this match right now. You see Triple H and Austin actually working together. So what would you rather have then? Would you rather have the Raw and Smackdown or would you rather have a pay-per-view? I would include in the WWE calendar I'd have a pay-per-view, but I don't think WWE are going to do that for us. And better than the alternative of a capital carnage or a, a no mercy or would it be an insurrection and rebellion for, for years to come because nothing really happened of note on those shows and it's a it's a shame I think they should say be noteworthy so that it's, it's going there and doing it I think that's the problem with Raw and Smackdown now is you're not going to see anything really happening until a pay-per-view anyway I don't see a pay-per-view coming to the W uh, coming to London or UK for a long time we've got our takeovers the next one's going to be but, uh, you know, do you think it's right, the treatment of, of uh, us British fans now? I don't think it's right, no. And, you know, not just being biased. Um, I think, you know, every... Especially as WWE is a huge, massive, like, multinational brand, that, you know, it could at least afford to do something big all around. I think we're the only country that gets the kind of raw smack down there. I know Canada might as well, but I still think we need to be treated because, uh, you know, we've stuck by them for the good and the bad, if you know what I mean. So uh, that's that's the problem there. Do you think, you know, WWE thinking, well, they've got NXT UK, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll be happy with that. I think that's the case at the moment. Wait right, a minute, Austin run, Taker. Hits a stunner on Taker. Goes for the cover. No, Triple H to break it up. I mean, it's just an egg, is what you got, you know, be happy with it, basically, you know. But again, this kind of factors into nothing of any storyline whatsoever. Oh, Triple H missing the clothesline. He gets hit with a stunner. You see, and there's a problem with Attitude Era as well, you know. 
I know it's anything goes than that, but still the kind of the amount of outside interference in the end, you can have too much of a good thing sometimes, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think this is the difference, though. We talk about run-ins and stuff. Like with WWF, the good guys actually came out and made a bit of a difference, whereas we see with NWO, it was just constant beatdowns, weren't it, with no kind of comeuppance. At least for the corporate ministry, they are getting their ass kicked. It might make them look a little bit weaker. But the thing that annoys me is that uh, you get the... And then they get like a slight upper hand, like or they get an upper hand over the good guys because there's like outnumbering them seven to one. And then when the good guys do come out to even the odds, the bad guys scarper and the good guys just stay in the ring and <laughs> not chase them. But Austin and uh, the Triple H are still in the ring, and these two guys are going at it. As uh, the Undertaker, I'll take it, he's seemingly distracted on the outside now. Mankind was brawling with the entrance way. See, if Triple H was to win the title here, then this would have made this pay-per-view worthwhile. It was weird, because there would be another No Mercy in 1999 as well, the American pay-per-view in October. So even the title of it kind of got taken away, do you know what I mean? It's, it's still... And that's the next one's October for a rebellion in the UK. And that was China's first attempt at a handspring elbow. And it results in her getting stunned. Uh, at least Triple H will be luckier. Nope, he gets one as well. One... So, yeah, and what was Shane McMahon doing in the meantime? Well, Shane looks to come in, but uh-oh, now he's been caught in the eyes of the rattlesnake. And Stone Cold Steve Austin confined by the bounds of the ring. But he's as Shane McMahon's walking out, he gets stopped by X-Pac, who just beats him all the way back to the ring. Well, X-Pac got screwed over by Shane McMahon earlier. Throws him into cannon fodder for Austin. Irish whip. Close lines him down. Get up, Shane. Get up, Shane. <laughs> Shane, Shane quick. Up. I want to stun her. Shane. Quickly, come on. Get Shane. up. Get up. Get up. Shane. <laughs> Down hey. you go. No matter how many times I see the stunner, I still enjoy it. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's lush. Even if it's Mark Andrews or... Uh, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, Owens, Kevin Owens, yeah. Now we get set up for a Bronco Buster. A bit of retribution for X-Pac there as well. It does send, send the fans home happy, I assume, you know, but... One for Triple H. And they're going to get to China. But this is nothing more than a glorified live show, is oh, it? Without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, we saw Tiger Alley sing for fucks. It's only his third appearance at WWE television, you know. Going against Gilberg. Draws out well, a match. Uh, we're, we're not sure he's going to... He can be asked to make the flight over yeah. and he can be asked to fight. So we just uh, have Gil draws. I thought we had a double stunner. And now look, Austin showing a beer with X-Puck and El Hebner. And Shane and Triple H slowly getting up. And Austin's setting eyes. And this is the best bit of the whole show. Austin having a beer. <laughs> What's their fake boobies there? Double stunner. The boobies got thrown in. You don't see many double stunners, but that worked. And Austin celebrating with a cold one. <laughs> oh, Hebner just goes up and takes a swig of it. Austin just pours two cans straight down his throat. <laughs> Oh, and Austin helping Triple H up. That's nice. That's nice, giving, giving him a beer. beer. Oh, We're friends. Cool. We're cool. We're fine. Oh! <laughs> X-Factor's a shame. Look, don't worry about them. No. Just have a beer together. Look, we're friends. There's someone throwing a wig in now. So they've had fake boobies and a wig. See, behind the curtains now, we see Triple H. What a nice guy Austin and x think of him. Sharing a beer. Nice moment. 
I love the beer spit stunner. Bang. <laughs> and a Bronco Buster. Just to add insult to injury. <laughs> For Shane as well. I don't know how many stunners we saw, but... <laughs> trying to stay on outside, you're like, yeah, fuck that, I ain't going. Yeah. How many beers has Austin had? <laughs> He's had too many beers. You need almost enough stunners, but that's what Stone Cold's all about. It's not how we find out, mate. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Goddamn kid. What? Jesus Christ, son. Go down, caught up. Give me some more. So that's no mercy. And yeah, like I said, the, the the stunners at the end was the only fun that we had. But we move on to our next episode of Raw, and it's episode 12, and it's May 17th. Yes, we're coming from uh, Fort Lauderdale in Florida. The commentators are JR and Jerry Lawler. And it is the go-home show for Over the Edge. We get the opening sequence, and tonight it's Austin versus Triple H and Rock versus Untaker in a casket match. Road Dog, X Pac, and Kane versus Mark Henry, D'Lo Brown, and Billy Gunn. Take two feuds and roll them into one. Dog hammers away on Henry to start, but gets knocked down with a single forearm. Now Gunn is willing to come in for some cheap shots and a power slam for no cover. Brown comes in to face X Pac with a big spin and heel kick, dropping D'Lo. Well, if it breaks down for a few seconds till it's Gunn working over X Pac in the corner, Gunn finally misses a shot and Dog gets a hot tag to clean house. The shaky knee drop gets one. One. But Brown comes in to start the parade of finishes. If it breaks down, the outlaws fight up the ramp as Kane and Henry fight in the crowd. We'll say the match is thrown out somewhere in there. The idea here was fine, but it was a pretty dull match. Still, it was better than most of what we had to sit through last week, so at least it's an improvement. Kane versus Henry has the potential to be a decent and quick power battle. But other than that, this didn't really do too much. Well, here Shane and the corporate ministry say that they're going to annihilate everyone in their path tonight. The union's car's been delayed, so tonight the corporate ministry has a three-man hit list. First up is Vincent Mann, who should lock his door. Well, Vince and the Stooges are in the back and locking themselves in the dressing room because the union isn't here. The corporate's in company, but Vince tells his guys to do the best they can. He backs away and Triple H, Charlie Untaker pop out of a closet as the lights go off. Well, we come back to see Vince McMahon being taken away on a stretcher. Up next is Godfather and Val Venus versus Own Heart. And the Blue Blazer. And the Blue Blazer. Well, before the match, Val compares himself to the Hurricane in his usual style. Well, the Death Valley driver is broken up by a chop block as Nicole Bass comes out to yell at Deborah. Blazer gets caught in the Death Valley driver for the pin in the confusion. There's another dull match here, but it builds up to a pair of matches on Sunday. This is another case where you could have a good match if you just let the guys wrestle, but it still have to be about the girls in insanity, which is a hallmark of the attitude era. Just calm down already. And we see Austin arriving. And up next, it's Meat versus Test. Test. This is Test. Meat? Meat is known as Sean Stasiak. Kind of gimmick given in WF and kind of, you know, you had your porn stars, you had your pimps. Why don't you just have a guy called Meat? Well, Meat has the new Pretty Mean Sisters with him. Meaning Ryan Shamrock has joined them. Yeah, this one doesn't last long as Tess comes back with a gut wrench powerbomb and clothesline, but Jackie comes in with drop kick to Test for the DQ. Anyway, this was a long and dull match with almost nothing going on for the most part. Meat was a very low level story and Tess was nowhere near ready to carry a match like this. Tess would get better with experience, but he needed better than this. PMS beats on Tess until Tori comes out for the save. Here's Austin for a chat. He brings up Shane's vision for this Sunday. Austin sees Triple H coming down here and taking a beating tonight. As a bonus, China can have a boot of her own if she wants to get involved. 
He says he's ready for the Undertaker on Sunday, but here's the corporate ministry to interrupt. Shane threatens to award Undertaker the WF title if Austin puts his hands on him Sunday. If Austin is looking for Vince, though, you can join him in the hospital tonight. The ministry comes after Austin, but Ken Shamrock sneaks up on Shane. The union comes out for the brawl. Austin stuns Paul Bearer. Undertaker doesn't move. And it is the Undertaker versus The Rock. And it's a casket match. So the Rock walking in to the lion's den, so to speak. The Undertaker knows what the casket match is all about. And the Rock's got a broken arm and all, thanks to Triple H throwing on the stage a couple of weeks ago. But again, a big matchup. You know, the Undertaker and Rock's not really had that many one-on-one matches. You can see we're getting it on Raw as well. It definitely keeps people entertained. Oh, most definitely, yeah. You know, it's uh, gimmick matches, and they're always good on Raw. You know, it's, it kind of brings an uh, element of difference to it as opposed to just having standard matches, really. And here we go, The Rock getting in and going right after The Undertaker. And a huge right hands now. Oh, it's ripped to the corner, but Undertaker gets a boot up. But The Rock coming straight back and clotheslining Undertaker down, who sits up. <laughs> well, The Undertaker took out Big Show a couple of weeks ago. Now he's going after The Great One on his challenge. He said he's going to beat Austin at the pay-per-view this Sunday. Undertaker ducking a clothesline, hitting The Rock with a lovely DDT. It's weird that JR says that The Rock could be the future WF and in actual fact, probably Undertaker. Yeah. You know, The Undertaker had more matches and did more after this than The Rock has. That's true. And now The Undertaker's taking control in the corner, just slowing this one down. Oh, and backstage though, Ministry and Union looks like it's going down. So the Union has arrived. Yes, and they're having a massive brawl back there. And now the Rock fighting back out the corner. But the Undertaker with a quick uppercut gets things back in his uh, back in his court. But the Rock with a swinging net breaker again. The Undertaker just sitting straight up, scoops land for the Rock. Is he looking for the people's elbow? The Undertaker's in. <laughs> Undertaker sits up. But The Rock kicks him back down and drops that elbow anyway. Tells referees to get the casket lid open. Oh, and it's Triple H out here. The Rock's opponent on Sunday. And now Triple H distracting The Rock. Oh, now Shane O'Mac and China's coming down as well. As Undertaker grabs The Rock by the throat. But then The Rock hits him over the head with a cast. Well, The Rock won't back down for the numbers game. It looks to put the Undertaker out. Uh, eliminates him from the Royal Rumble, but the Undertaker lands on his feet, grabs the legs of The Rock. And the cast helping him, but Triple H again from behind trying to stop him. But The Rock doing all he can to fight out. As the Undertaker drops to his knees and delivers a low blow to The Rock. Oh my God, right in the Brahma balls. And now Triple H got Sledgehammer. Oh, straight on the cast. Oh, my God, and he already broke an arm. And now they're taking that damaged arm and bouncing it off the casket. Well, I know it's anything goes, but this is crazy. And now Hebner, the Undertaker, rising that casket lid, shutting it down. Giving the Undertaker the victory, but I don't think they're done just yet. And now they're locking the casket. Why would you put locks on a casket anyway? What dead people are going to come out of that? Oh, well, zombies, you never know. Zombie threat. Maybe they custom made it because they wanted to set the rock up. 
Have you got out of there yet, Rock? Are you underneath the ring yet? And Shane talking trash and Triple H standing on top of that casket. And oh my god, a rock inside that casket. And it just got slammed to the floor. And Triple H now with that sledgehammer. And a rock's in there and he's getting hit. And Triple H is trying to kill the rock right now. He's going crazy on that casket. And it is Triple H's first interaction with a sledgehammer. Which go on to become, well, kind of synonymous with him. And we're back from the break and, uh, well, that wasn't good. And the rock state is not great. After having his arm completely battered, he gets locked into a casket and the casket gets beaten with a sledgehammer. That was sadistic Triple H there. And then here we go, you can open up the casket with a rock inside. Oh my God, call an ambulance, the rock's not great. Hopefully we get an update on that. But up next, it's a very interesting matchup because we're going to get the Hardy Boys. Let's see how this happened last night in Heat. Michael Hayes come out to confront the Brood. And them delivering the bloodbath thanks to the Hardys. The Brood got one themselves. And we've seen Triple H with the sledge. I'm using that kind of first time getting the, the trunks, which I didn't mention. Cause you know, you always have a go at me about pants into trousers, but getting that. And now it's the first meeting on Raw between the Hardys and Edge and Christian. Yes, and uh, that's, you know, it's getting quite a moment in history. When you think about how successful these guys would become, and even the Hardys recently, you know, tag team champions, apart from really Gangrel, fuck Gangrel. Fuck Gangrel. You know, fuck Michael Hayes working even backstage. Fuck Michael Hayes. Uh, back, you know, Michael Hayes is still a writer, and you can see the brood aren't happy about this. And Michael Hayes being given to the Hardys to kind of give him a bit of life, you know, fabulous free birds and all. And this is broken down, six-man tag team match. It's broken down in the right way as well. Matt and Jeff on uh, Edge and Christian and Hardy and uh, Michael Hayes and Gangrel. The two fucking useless fucks in their own <laughs> corner. Who would have thought these, you know, these four young guys would be the future of the tag team division at the moment. But they're given a chance on Raw as well after all the madness that we've seen. After a casket match like that, we're getting this. It's kind of, you know, it's still a storyline on its own, but it's kind of, you know, just a, a palate cleanser in mm. between all the madness that's going on with uh, the corporate ministry and, you know, Austin, The Rock, Undertaker and everything like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And we're seeing Gangrel getting tagged in and after Jafali. No, I'm not a fan of Gangrel. No, he's shit, isn't he? Yeah. He won't be around long. And Jeff now, that's nice. Head scissors getting out of it. Wonderful! <laughs> Look how healthy these teams are at the moment, yeah. eh? Double underhook overhead suplex from Gangrel to Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy with a backslide, bouncing Gangrel off the ropes, looking for a roll-up, but Gangrel holding on. The old switcheroo with Christian. Referee doesn't realise they've changed. Yes, because Gangrel and Christian do look very similar. Don't well, they're, they're both wearing white shirts so and blonde hair. And now Christian gets his reverse Irish whip by Matt. Matt throws him from corner to corner with Christian. Oh, gut buster there by Christian. That was nice. Going for the cover, but Matt up at two. Two. We're actually seeing a bit of wrestling on Raw. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Christian time Matt Hardy up in the ropes, giving him a chop to the chest. Irish whip reversed by Matt, though. As Michael Hayes grabs hold of the hair and drags him to the mat, he gets punched in the head from Christian for his troubles. But that allows Matt to get up and clothesline Christian. 
And now Michael P.S. Hayes in, showing what he can do. Why Why the P.S.? I have no idea. P.S. I'm a cunt. <laughs> I knew that. And double <laughs> suplex by Hayes and Matt, taking out Christian. Jeff's going all the way up. Swan time bomb. And now Matt and Hayes and Jeff in the cover. Yeah, good stopping gang growl there, wasn't it? Maybe you need to work on that a little bit, but Hayes is in. I mean, Hayes looks the same age as the Hardys in this one. I, I can hardly tell them apart if they were to hardly switch. tell them apart. <laughs> yes, and Gangrel looks like he's on the same talent level as Christian and Edge in this match. Well, that was nice by Jeff, though, and he's going to go up. Oh, lovely. Jumps over the top rope, springboards off it, and then a uh, lovely moonsault there. Matt Hardy's back in, choking Christian out on the middle rope. Got Matt nearly hurt himself there, trying to take out Christian. <laughs> oh, and a spine buster from Hayes. Double A leg, double A type spine buster. Eggman, Eggman, Eggman this Sunday at the pay per view extravaganza. A big man. Hey, <laughs> big man. Christian trying to get a harm's way from Matt. He's been worked on the past couple of minutes. But eight big men sounds like your typical Sunday night, James. And the Northern Light suplex. Christian, all sorts of trouble. But this is a good wrestling, like, you know, it is... Like I said, oh, a, lot of people, great, yeah. a lot of people are going to take drinks, you know, might get something to eat at this point, but it, it's probably the purest wrestling that we've seen. As Jeff gets a tag in and Edge gets a tag in. <sighs> Edge hits... Jeff with a huge uh, spear. Well, that's not going to be the worst one Jeff receives off of Edge. That's fair to say. First of many. Electric chair drop on Matt and Michael Hayes. Comes in, cleans house. But Edge up. Face first, electric chair. Oh, my God. Nearly killed him. And now Gangrel implanted DDT. Christian with his uh, reverse DDT to Michael Hayes. As Edge goes over the top rope, takes out Jeff. And they're all on the outside just putting their boots to Jeff. Uh-oh, now Michael Hayes is going to backdrop Matt Hardy. Cool, Matt landed on his ass <laughs> All the way out. That's what fused the spine together. Ah, uh, the referee calling for the bell. But it does leave both teams with a bit of dignity in this match, doesn't yeah. it? You know, it's... Yeah. Good. Oh my God, though. We've seen a rock. And he's covered in blood coming out of that casket. That is not good. Yes, well, we saw the uh, the brew taking a bloodbath, but this is the rock's bloodbath here. Oh my God. And the rock, I might not be in condition. He's got a fight over the edge in six days' time. He's obviously got a broken arm. And he's refusing to go to the hospital. My God. Well, so we see the rock getting sent away in an ambulance, and Shane says. Two down, one to go. Well, here's Al Snow with a box, but first we get a puckage on Al Snow, thinking Head was a hardcore champion, only to have Pierre, the one idea, pin Head to become champion. Hardcore Holly broke Pierre last night in heat, so Snow is here for a funeral. Pierre was a friend of the NRA and a field and stream cover deer. Snow opens the box and Pierre is inside. Snow puts in Pierre's cigars, reading glasses, his favourite episode of Columbo, his favourite tape, best of Sammy Davis Jr., and his nightshirt. Snow swears revenge on Holly for attacking Pierre. I haven't seen a man violate an animal like that since my class took a trip to the sheep farm. And apparently Pierre has left the hardcore title to Snow. 
out, imitates Pierre's dying words until Holly comes out with Pierre's antler. Snow lays him out with a snowplow. Well, JR hypes up Raw's 8.1 rating last week. That's the highest rating the show has ever received, like we said. And Austin gets jumped by the corporate ministry. And then the next match is Big Show versus Big Bossman. Both guys have backup. Bossman now is Big Show wearing jean shorts instead of tights with a nightstick before the bell. And the giant is in trouble. Big Show comes back with a nightstick. Big Show comes back with a right hand, complete with a sick thud to take over. The second brawl, they brawl to the back as Big Boss Man kicks him low. Not that it matters, is a big boot and a choke slam. Get the pin for the Big Show. And Beaver, Beaver Cleavage talks about his mum's flapjacks. Beaver Cleavage has got to be one of the worst characters. Not even ridiculous, just awful cats that we've seen based on like the 50s sitcom. Mosh from the Headbangers repackaged his 1950 thing. And his mum, you know, one of the adverts is him with no cereal. Or cereal going, mum, I want milk. And obviously she's got big puppies and she's going to give him the milk. That's the story. It's nearly, it's, it's as bad as meat. It is. Well, backstage, the corporate ministry left during a break with a union in hot pursuit. And it's Triple H versus Steve Austin. It's a non-title when Triple H has Shane and China with him. They brawl starts in the aisle with Austin getting the better of it. A clothesline puts Triple H in the crowd and now we get the bell. They head inside and Triple H has to bail to the floor to avoid a stunner. They brought about a bit more and Triple H gets inside. Gets inside. Yeah. China. And now Triple H back in the ring with Austin just choking him out in that bottom rope. And it's just been a brawl all around ringside and Triple H finally got it in and he's got the side headlock on and Austin thanks in part to Shane and China watching on as well. And the hand's going twice. Will it go for third time? No, Austin ran with his middle finger. Fighting out for Triple H. Huge right hands. Ducks a clothesline attempt from Triple H. But both men hit a double clothesline. James, that's a move that makes the front of your underpants tight. Yeah, no, that's a great move there. Both men down at the moment. Both men absolutely spent. Both men managing to get their way up to their feet. Austin with a couple of kicks to the midsection. Throws Triple H in a corner. And loads with some massive right hands. Irish whip reversed by the game. But Austin comes out with a clothesline. Triple H straight back up to his feet but goes down just as quick. Austin eliminates the game from the Royal Rumble. And they're outside again and Austin throws Triple H along the announce table. Sending JR and the King Scarper in. Austin back in the ring and Triple H struggling to get to his feet. Austin bringing the game into the ring the hard way, suplexing him over the top rope. Goes for a cover. Two. No, Triple H managing to kick out. Oh. JR saying, well, even over here, we're not even Spanish. And Austin looking up and the untaking symbol coming down. What does that mean? Well, Austin got distracted by it and a big knee by Triple H. Is it a sign? Is it symbolic? Is it a bollock? Well, it's coming down here, wherever it is. And Triple H distracted by it and got hit with a big clothesline. What does it mean? Well, is this the work of a greater power? Sending a message, but here comes the Undertaker. And the Undertaker coming out here. And he's coming up and Austin fighting him off. And now the Undertaker just fighting him away. Putting the boots to Austin as uh, Shane and Triple H... Or ushering the uh, Undertaker's symbol down to the ring. Laying it out in a ceremonial fashion. And Undertaker just working. 
on the stone coming outside as they lower in a symbol. I mean, the match itself, these two are always good for a watch and they got the time to have a long brawl here. Triple H was nowhere near ready for this level yet and he didn't do badly at all. The Undertaker interference was obvious, but you don't want Triple H to lose and, of course, he couldn't beat Austin just yet. Yeah, but Triple H's not doing too bad as he works up the main event, but at the moment they've got Austin and they're looking to crucify him. I mean, this should be the most memorable part of Over the Edge. Oh, my God. Now the rest of the ministry are coming out here. Wait a minute, the Union's out here fighting the numbers. And Paul White in jorts. And so Shamrock. But Austin's managed to escape, and it's The Undertaker that's uh, ended up handcuffed to his own symbol. As Austin tells him he's number one. And just starts putting the boots to him. And Austin now just working on Undertaker. And he's handcuffed The Undertaker to the symbol. <laughs> and again, giving him the finger, telling him to raise it. Now look at that, he's furious as he's getting taken up. And The Undertaker's latest sacrifice is himself. Oh my God, and Austin has won the battle, but will he win the war when it comes to over the edge? And you can see the symbol of The Undertaker, it must be at least 20 foot in the air. At least 35 foot in the air. And The Undertaker now just cackling maniac. And Austin's just, well he's not got any words for him. He just tells him you're number one. But the threat will be there over the edge. Dan, what are your thoughts so far? It certainly is building up to be a huge war at over the edge. That is without doubt. Um, again, it's one of the ones that you can't call. Will the number lost in his title? Or will it be an even playing field? I just, you know, if we was doing predictions this time, I would still have no idea where and who to mm. go with. I think without a doubt. So we do move on to Over the Edge, May 23rd, 1999. And we should say on Heat, Vincent Mann, who is scheduled to be a guest referee as well, alongside Sherman Mann, uh, took the place of Austin in a match against Midian and got his ankle smashed and was taken away to local hospital. So it's like Shane will be in charge later. But let's just run through the results quickly. Uh, Kane and X-Pac defeated D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry with Ivory in a tag team match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. So they retain the titles. Al Snow with Head defeated Hardcore Holly for the Hardcore Championship. Nicole Bass and Val Venus defeated Deborah and Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T in a mixed tag team match. Billy Gunn defeated Road Dog in a singles match for about 11 minutes. Big Show, Ken Shamrock, Mankind and Tess defeated the Corporate Ministry, Big Bossman, Farouk, Bradshaw and Viscera in an eight-man tag team elimination match in 14 minutes, 58 seconds. And The Rock defeated Triple H by disqualification in a singles match at 11.41. And out of respect, we'll only watch the main event, WWE have cut between Al Snow and the next match. And you remember watching it live, don't you? I, I really do. And it's one of these moments, because like, at that time, we were, we were starting off, uh, I was starting off recording it, and I set the timer for a Royal Rumble, didn't realise the February on there, caught WrestleMania live, Backlash missed that one, had to get it on VHS, and Over the Edge was the first one, I actually stayed up and watched, and uh, kind of that moment, and everybody's talked about it, and I just don't want to... You know, I mean, out of respect for for own heart, I don't want to go into the details of, of what happened. But it was a tragedy, and of course, it happened kind of twenty years ago. And it is one of those moments that I never want to see. And, and WWE, I don't think the paper should even be on here. You know, I know it's part of a, a story as it was or whatever it was, but I, I don't think this show should have continued afterwards either. To watch it live, it was it was really really shocking. 
but you know they but had to continue. Do you think it know? was storyline? No, I, you knew so. But when you see, because they cut to Jeff Jarrett and Deborah, who were best friends with Owen Hart at the time, yeah. back they were crying their eyes out, and you kind of realise something serious had happened. You know, way Jr. and the King were as well. It's kind of one of the worst moments in wrestling to you know to tragedy to happen like that. You know, and they still, you know, the show had to go on. I don't think it needed to. You know, the crowd in shock and didn't respond to it and it was even worse you know with this the, the where the ring is and everything like this as well you know you can still see the, the blood stains on it which is one of the kind of the most kind of weirdest things that you can see in a way you know and you can you can you, you know and it's not one thing i draw attention to but anyway you know the the, the main event wf championship untaker versus austin he say the crowd still really weren't sure what was going on and shane as referee but you've got to imagine even these wrestlers, you know, after something had happened, and you know they they're obviously aware of what's gone on, as well. Um, you know, and what the outcome, the unfortunate outcome is. You know, they they must have a million and one things going through them on a put on a performance, yeah, in the ring as well. But you know, there's no doubt. I think the show should have been stopped, and then you know, even redone a week's time, whether it was when everything was right. Because at the time, you know, it's tragedy and it. Luckily, it's not really happened since then, and it's just like that. It's still shocking to this day to think, you know, what happened there, you know, the circumstances around it. I, you know, I don't want to go into details of, you know, to blame or whatever it is, but, you know. But I remember doing, um, I'm sure it was, for, I think it was for an English class or something, you know, I remember doing a, like a report on, you know, the tragedy that happened, and yeah, you know, it was. Quite see the, deep. Yeah, b- yeah. You see the blood there. See, that's another thing about it. It's, it's actually real it's blood. Not, you know, we've seen <laughs> blood-stained canvases before, yeah. but, you know, blood that shouldn't have happened. It's, it's pretty fucking fucked up, especially, you know, when you consider, like, just everything that went on. It's like, you know, we laugh and joke about many things, you know, like the Chris Benoit mm. thing and... You know, all the other stuff that goes on. But, you know, there's something to happen like this. Such a talented wrestler in an unfortunate tragedy. It's, you know, it's something that you wouldn't want to happen to anyone apart from Mojo Rawley. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. And, and I think the thing with Owen that we've seen these past couple of years was just he didn't really get a chance. You know, one of the reasons why he didn't get into kind of total run with feud with Jeff Jarrett because he didn't want to, you know, kind of go with a Deborah story like he didn't want to upset his family you know he's a family man first and foremost and that's something about Owen Hart and he was so entertaining as a heel that when there were tributes you know leading to him they, they felt you know they can't really play the fans booing him but as we know now that is the biggest tribute you can get being yeah. a guy who you know was hated as much as he was kind respected. Of, you know respected you know backstage you always hear backstage stories of him you know having a laugh and a joke much like you know Kurt Henning and other people like this kind of just like one of the good guys you know yeah, yeah. yeah it's a real shame as for the main event it, it just turned into kind of it, Austin Untaker never really had the greatest of chemistry anyway so it kind of really was kind of slow and plodding you know a few times it kind of worked but do you think that's why they never had a Wrestlemania match I, I think that might have been in part because it was just kind of slow and so much I don't think you could have then have said well here's for Wrestlemania because they face each other at SummerSlam haven't they you know and then basically been connected ever since then in a way well so now I'll take it out yeah, fighting out in the entrance bay and uh, Shane McMahon being quite lenient as a referee Come on, Austin ducking and the Undertaker punching through a stained glass window and again, his head put through another one. That's quite an entertaining, uh, you know, it's quite a good setup, though. 
You know, so, exactly, and it's not really saying that. <laughs> you know, I really thought about it, but yeah, in a way, it would be no surprise this is the last over-the-edge pay-per-view that we'd ever have. Oh, yeah, you know, it's definitely that they kind of put it to bed. So we know that Undertaker and Shane McMahon are definitely in cahoots, but will that factor into the result? Will that help Undertaker get the WWF Championship? This is the thing, at the moment, everything is pointing against... Austin losing this one, even Vincent Mann being sent away to the hospital earlier. He's been his one of the allies, seems, recently as well, especially with the union around. We've seen Shane involved referee last month, came and cost the rock, so it might not help out the Undertaker at all. There is that point there. And the other thing about the Undertaker, he doesn't really seem 100% fit at this moment in time, you know. Well, I, I noticed when uh, he was walking down the aisleway. <laughs> After, you know, getting beaten with under t- uh, Austin, that he had a bit of timber on him. I know you like the huskier gentleman, mm. James, but, you know, he is carrying a bit of timber, hence probably why he's got that kind of tight-fitting vest on that probably wasn't tight when he bought it. Well, to be fair, he has just changed his costume up because he's had the classic Alantega lace, as we've seen in the past couple of years, and now he's gone into the kind of leotard mould. Uh, which, you know, stick through till the end, you know, bless him. Uh, but at this point, he was contemp- uh, contemplating retirement as well, and he was thinking, well, at this point, wrestled for nine years, you know, what else is there to do? <laughs> uh, and luckily, like, yeah, turned American badass, and then kind of decided to reinvigorate himself and change, like I said, drop that body weight. Of course, we've covered that extensively on the Undertaker podcast, but it's good to see it in action here, if you know what I mean. This is not the... Considering I was a diehard wrestling fan, when I was, uh, Undertaker fan when I was a kid, to tune this back on was like, who the fuck is this fat flabby man? <laughs> you know, it's not the Undertaker. Ken Shamrock made him scream last month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, they're back in the ring and Austin getting choked. And uh, Austin managing to uh, kind of get back to his feet. Did he deliver an inadvertent low blow? As he goes off the turnbuckle, drops the elbow to Undertaker. And he's been free. But Shane McMahon refusing to count the third. And now Shane, who Austin cannot lay a hand on or will lose his championship, don't forget. Getting as close as possibly can. Undertaker's got the chair. Now Austin, having eyes in the back of his head, kicks him to the midsection. Oh, so it's Undertaker into Shane O'Mac. Hits Undertaker with a chair. And that is it, but Shane is out. For the cover. One. Two. Oh! oh. That was Gerald Briscoe comes down in a referee shirt. Well, one of the Stooges trying to help. But Undertaker managing to kick out. Ah. And a huge chair shot. Can't keep Dead Man down. Irish. And oh. Irish big boot. And then Undertaker drops. Br- well, he's not going to let Gerald Briscoe do any more. Undertaker, Irish rip reversed by Austin. Undertaker ducks a clothesline attempt. Hits a flying clothesline of his own. I miss when the Undertaker was that agile. Even though we've had a go at him, he can still do that. To be And wait a minute. Vince McMahon is limping his way down to the ring. Well, he's got a broken ankle, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but he certainly isn't moving as well on it. And Vince McMahon, what a man. Coming out here, trying to help Shane... He's still in trouble. Vince in. Undertaker a clothesline missed. Looking for the stunner. Undertaker pushing it off. Double clothesline to each man. And both men are down. And both McMahon's in. 
And both men sitting up at the same time. <laughs> Austin's sitting up like The Undertaker. And both just going wailing away at each other. And now Undertaker, Irish trip to Austin. Could put away a clothesline. Hits a stunner. Can Austin go for it? Vincent to the cover. One, two. No, Shane pulling his dad off. <laughs> well, stopping the count there. And Vince is not happy about Shane, and he can put his hands on him. And Austin saying to Vince, get in there. But Shane pushing Austin down. Undertaker rolling up Austin and getting a quick free count from Shane O'Mac. Austin is left there flabbergasted, but new WWE champion, Shane Undertaker. Shane McMahon has just screwed over Stone Cold. Uh, he said Undertaker's a new WF champion. He's getting stomped on now, though, by Austin. And Shane calling uh, the rest of the corporate ministry down. Bossman in, Stannard. Midian in, Stannard. Austin may be former champion, but he's got a fight now. Here come the acolytes, but Austin's uh, wielding a chair now. Well, Vince can't believe it. Neither can Austin, but Untaker leaves the champion thanks to Shane McMahon. And a shocking conclusion to Over the Edge. My God, well, the following Raw was the Owen Hart tribute show. So we move on to the May 31st, next time WWE carried on with their story. It's episode 314. Well, the WWF do get back to their storylines tonight. The Owen show was a touching and even fitting tribute. I still struggle to take Vince McMahon as a person who shows much empathy. Obviously, he has a company to run and needs to get back to work. But wrestlers are not stuntmen. Hollywood uses stunt doubles and wrestlers already go above and beyond the call of duty. They work long hours, have no health care and their bodies deteriorate on a weekly basis. Of course, they choose their profession, but that does not mean it cannot be handled in a safer and more intelligent manner. And it certainly is a lot safer and more intelligent manner nowadays. Yeah, without a doubt, especially with Daniel Bryan with the injuries that he sustained, you know, trying to make sure he was safe to come back. The death of Owen should have been a wake-up call then. It may have not been, but we know we've seen it since then. It is getting to a better place. Um, Royal won 6.3 to 3.3 in this show. Uh, they show portions of Owen's funeral, and if I remember right, Martha did not want it filmed. And I believe that the wrestlers came in a bus labelled WWF, and this upset her because she felt they were advertising the funeral and did it for publicity. Well, here comes Shane leading to this corporate ministry. Shane brags about counting the one, two, three, and the Undertaker agrees with him, and there's nothing Austin can do about it. That was only phase one, and phase two now begins. He told Austin that he would only mind body and soul he's rambling about nonsense the fans chant for austin but here comes vince instead he informs john taker that he did not win the title but in fact screwed austin therefore tonight he's gonna screw him well he would defend it against austin shane reminds him that he owns part of the company he will face austin but not for the title vince does not care but austin will wipe his carcass around the ring he demands the undertaker look at him before Austin kicks his ass, he's going to give The Undertaker a privilege into kicking his. He goes on about getting revenge for what happened to Steph and his family. Not get much, but he will at least get a piece. Well, Shane is happy that his dad found his grapefruits, and if Vince beats him, then Undertaker will put the title on the line. But if anyone interferes, Austin or the Union, then Austin loses the title shot. Well, Vince agrees as he has nothing to lose, and Shane retorts that he has a few teeth to lose. The fans chant that he is an arsehole. And Austin has to win or he'll never get a title shot. Jesus, they always have that stipulation. Stipulation. 
you see the confirmation leaving with the Undertaker, of course, the new champion now. And after 13 minutes, we actually get into match one. Mm, hang on a minute. Not finished here yet. And Undertaker walking away with the Druids. But one of the Druids pulls <laughs> off his hood and reveals that it is, in fact, Austin. And the corporate ministry, after a little while, finally noticed that. But Austin's into punching mode now and not taking any notice and just can't be touched. <laughs> Austin and the corporate ministry realise. And Austin got one over on the corporate ministry just for a second, but it's a numbers game again. But here comes the Union. The Union is here to save the day. And Sharrock, Big Show, Mankind and Test, Test. Yeah, that is Test. And they're all going at it. And Austin fighting away as well. Well, Stone Cold Druid there. And Austin is not even finished with the Corporate Ministry. I think it's just getting started. Well, match one is Billy Gunn versus the Big Show. Well, Show hucks him into the corner like a ragdoll. And Gunn fires back with some blows. And finally drops in with a running drop kick to the knees. Gunn stomps his knees over and over. And he's relentless as he stomps away. Show pushes him off, but Gunn keeps coming back and rakes the eyes. Show gets to his feet and unleashes a couple of clotheslines and Gunn wisely retreats to the floor. The ref starts to count and Road Dog comes down and dances right behind him. And Gunn finally turns and is punched towards the ring. The count, ha- count out has already happened, but he is still chokeslammed. Well, not much point to this. Show did not look that strong. Well, they show a boy acting scared, a man. His mum is there and she will stay with him and she holds his head to his cleavage. Sweet Jesus. Well, Vince is ready himself for his match. Briscoe and Patterson tried to talk him out of it. And it is match two, Christian versus Beaver. When he comes down to leave it to Beaver type music, he is wearing a spinner hat and it is in black and white. Beaver runs him into the ropes and gets two, two. after a power slam. Then Beaver sends him into the apron, but Christian heads up top only to be crutched. Beaver goes up after him, but is knocked off. Christian hits the big elbow, but the Hardys run down and wallop Christian. And he turns into reverse suplex, and Beaver wins. Well, Christian leaps on top of them, but he gets stopped by Hayes and the Hardys. Grand Girl and Edge run down, and the fight is on. The Hardys are backdrop to the floor, and Hayes gets pasted. And no one will stop The Undertaker. He is telling Shane that. Well, match three is Jeff Jack. That's T versus the Godfather for the Intercontinental title. We are four minutes in and Godfather still doing his thing, talking about Deborah and the hoe train, as well as puppies. Right around the five minute mark, they lock up and Godfather knocks him down, but he runs into him. So here we go, Intercontinental title on the line. Of course, uh, Godfather's meant to challenge Blue Blazer a couple of weeks ago. Now Jeff Jarrett finds himself in a position, but Ho-Train maybe. No, Jarrett gets the feet up. Huge close on off the second rope from Jarrett. And Jarrett looking to take advantage of this and Godfather in the corner. Of course, Godfather beat Goldust last month for the Intercontinental title. And a Godfather hits Snake Eyes. And a clothesline attempt to eliminate it from the Royal Rumble, but Jarrett ducks it. And a Godfather lands in a mess outside. Well, Jarrett goes to follow him and sends him into the stairs. And now Jeff sending Godfather back in, looking to go. Hits him with a flying crossbody for the cover. Two. No. Godfather managing to kick out. Oh. And talking of things nearly out, Deborah's puppies. Well, the women's champion is at ringside cheering Jeff Jarrett on. Godfather catches, body attempts, slams Jarrett to the mat. One, two. 
No, Jarrett managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. An atomic drop from uh, Godfather to Jarrett sends him into the corner. Well, the fans are happy. They've got puppies in one corner and hoes in the other. Godfather looks to our ship Jack down to the other corner. Now he's revving up this hoe train. And then Jarrett is in all sorts of trouble. Big boot from Godfather. And here comes Deborah up on the apron. And you talk about things coming out. Is she going to show the Godfather? Could be a hoe for a day. And Godfather's get distracted. And Deborah's unbuttoning her top. Oh, and a, and a hose up on the apron. And she looks like she's going to get her puppies out as well. Well, anything Deborah can do, the hoe can do better, I guess. But Jarrett has got that woman's title off. Deborah clocks a Godfather with it. One, two, three. And Jeff Jarrett is the new Intercontinental Champion. Oh, my God. So, Double J picking up the victory there, shockingly. Godfather's beaten and Jarrett is champion again. And, and what we've seen with Jarrett's trajectory, you wouldn't think that. But now the power couple in WWF, Jarrett with the Intercontinental title and Deborah with the Women's Championship. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? It, it, it was, you know, it's... Uh... It's a bit of a weird way to do it, seeing as though, you know, Jarrett's just lost to uh, Ken Shamrock on heat. Um, You know, if he was going to win it, I think a clean way would have done it. Jarrett's certainly got the talent and the ability to be able to do it clean. Well, Paul Barry's carrying the WF Championship as he and the Undertaker head to the ring. And it's on to match for the Undertaker, who is the WWF champ, going against Vince McMahon. Well, Austin is watching in the back. Vince comes down. And I think predictably he's going to get his ass kicked here. But Vince needs to beat Untaker here to have a shot at the WF Championship again. Or well, Austin needs Vince. Austin needs Vince to win this one. So these two men who have been at loggerheads for a long, long while, Austin kind of relies on the man who has antagonised him and brought him so much hell for a long time, get his title shot tonight. Right, it seems weird as well, like you talked about there. And now it seems a bigger threat, Untaker and Shane, but Vince comes running in. Looks like he's ready for a fight, but as immediately as he gets into the ring, Undertaker beats on him. Now the Undertaker just battering Vince McMahon's insides up. Well, Vince manages to get one shot in, but no effect whatsoever as the Undertaker's just choking Vince out in the corner. Now the Undertaker is champion again, but the referee counting out in the corner. The Undertaker turns around towards him and the referee just scarpers and now he's got Paul Bearer in his face. But Vince with a low blow as the referee was distracted by Bearer. And Vince's got a chance. Can he hit the stunner maybe? Vince rocking the dead man. Punches <laughs> to the midsection. Follows it up with some lefts and rights to the jaw. But I think that's just pissed off the Undertaker as he grabs hold of Vince by the throat. Throws him into the corner. Starts giving him some uh, proper haymakers. A huge Vincent Man chant, but the Undertaker, just too big and strong. Oh, and pushing the referee away. Oh, pushes the ref off for a second time. The Undertaker just assaulting Vince. The referee's got no choice. Calls for the bell and disqualifies the Undertaker. Patterson and Briscoe are in to check on uh, Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon. And Vincent Man wins the match. He's beating the Undertaker. Yes, by disqualification, but yes, job done. Shots for Patterson and Briscoe because uh, they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
And the Undertaker's stalking the referee as he runs off through the crowd. So it means Austin will get a WF title match against the Undertaker. The Undertaker can't believe it. Well, Michael Cole tells Austin that the match tonight is for the WF Championship. And Austin basically tells him no shit. Tells him to get out, get out, get out before he punches him. Well, and here comes Mankind, and he's talking about payback for the union. He wants a piece of Triple H. He does not like getting a pipe job, beaten by a pipe at the pay-per-view. He hates to be the bearer of bad news, but China has been checking him out. It may be his rugged good looks, boyish charms, or when she walked in when he was bent over in the shower. He keeps caring about how he looks good in his birthday suit, but he is married man, and she cannot touch his manhood. Smell what the sock is hiding. So match five is Rodog versus Big Bossman. Well, Bossman starts strong, but Dog makes a comeback. He does his shake thing. Drops Bossman. He gets two. Two. After a leg drop, then follows it up with a whip to the ropes, but runs right into a spine buster, and Bossman straddles and then pounds the shit out of him. He has a nightstick, but Rodog is up, and he hits Big Bossman, but he goes for the nightstick, and he's popped in the head. Goes for the sunset flip, but he's hit with a stick, and the match is thrown out. Now he beats him and chokes him out with his handcuffs. Well, I guess this is angle advancement, and they're not feuding, but it's uh, the corporate ministry against a former DX member. Well, Shane's going ape shit in the back and breaking plates and throwing food all over the place. We completely forgot about the King of the Ring tournament, and the matches have been on heat. Shamrock beating Jeff Jarrett and X-Pac beating Bossman so far. Yeah, so we know the King of the Ring 1999. We had Mr. Arse versus Viscera with Mr. Arse going through to the next round. As you know, Ken Shamrock beat Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E, double T. You've got Big Show versus Drills. Test versus Test, Test, that is Test. Road Dog versus The Godfather. China versus Val Venus. Al Snow and Harker Holly. Harker Holly's already won that through to the next round. And X-Pac beat Big Bossman. So there you go. We've already know what's going on there. We keep you posted with that as we head into June, of course. Uh, match six is Kane and X-Pac versus Acolytes for the tag team titles. X-Pac! So another kind of forgotten championship. We saw the Intercontinental title earlier. Kane and X-Pac as a team. Of course, defended it over the edge. And Kane is still being treated as a monster, though, isn't he, you know? Most definitely, and deservedly so as well, you know. He's kind of a... He's starting to get a bit more of a personality. But here comes the Acolytes, and these guys certainly mean business. Too rough... Uh... Well, kind of ministry, add, corporate ministry, sorry, add more gold. Yeah, I know, I was trying to word it better. Um, can the Acolytes add gold to the corporate ministry here tonight? As they fa- they face off with Kane and X-Pac. Of course, X-Pac's been more focused teaming with Kane than he has been about what's been going with DX. I think DX is kind of abolished, uh, you know, for the time being. Triple H has left. Shawn Michaels is kind of like the corporate man. Uh, well, not the corporate man, but he's... Uh, the commish. The commish. You've got Mr. Ross, who's kind of gone his own thing now. Road Dogs, again, he's doing his own thing as well. And X-Pac's got bigger fish to fry. Without doubt, but he's in the land of the giants because Fruit and Bradshaw are big men. Uh, hey, big man. Fruit's got X-Pac now, Irish whip. But this is the, you know, the typical thing that we're going to see with Kane and X-Pac. I mean, Kane coming in first, getting the hot flurry started, then eventually getting beaten down until he finally gets the tag into Kane and Kane comes in and cleans house. Yeah, it's a perfect tag team in that regard. As X-Pac with a kicks to Fruit and he tags in Bradshaw. But Bradshaw's saying, I want the big one. So X-Pac tags in Kane, who steps over the top rope. 
goes face to face with Bradshaw, who's not backing down an inch. <laughs> Credit to Bradshaw and Kane on the assault in this one. Well, Bradshaw did get off to an early flurry, but Kane has completely turned this around and just slowed the tempo right down. Well, Kane lowers his head and Bradshaw there. Just giving everything he's got. Punches and chops, but an Irish whip reversed by Kane. Bradshaw ducks the clothesline, eliminates Kane from the rumble, but Kane lands on his feet on the outside. Fucking hell. <laughs> Kane with a standing vertical leap onto the edge of the ring apron, hangs up Bradshaw, now looking to go up top. Takes down Bradshaw. Now Kane's sending him into the corner, and X-Puck. <laughs> Kane's actually offering a hand to X-Puck. I mean... You know, we are starting to see a more and more humanised Kane as he's kind of teaming with X-Pac, who's a bit outspoken himself, so that's kind of bringing some life into Kane, I suppose. I mean, the thing is, as well, is Kane's always been told what to do, whether it be Paul Bear or anybody else who's tried to control him, like Vincent Mann. And now, finally, he's involved in the tag team thing, along with X-Pac, you know, and you oh. can see that. As you're talking, sorry to interrupt, but Shane's making his way to ringside. Obviously, two members of his uh, corporate ministry are in action. And he's got business with X-Fighter, of course, beating him for the European title. That title was basically retired or when Shane decides to defend it. Of course, defend it at no mercy, but we've seen no sign of it since. He's back looking for a spinning heel kick. Gets caught by Bradshaw into a cover. So, no. X-Pac managing to kick out. Oh. Uh, one thing we know about X-Pac is the heart and determination that he's got. But he could be in trouble now with clothesline. Uh, looking for the clothesline from hell, but X-Pac ducks it, hits a spinning heel kick. Can he get across to uh, the big red machine in his corner? Kane extending his arm. And Kane is in. Kane is an awesome tag team partner. Do you know, <laughs> I would love to team up with Kane at this point. Like, yeah. It'd be awesome. Uh, big boot from Kane and just stomps on the back of Bradshaw's head. I was ripped to Farouk who reverses it. Catches oh. Kane in a body slam. But he's straight on the throat of Farouk. Bradshaw from behind with a clubbing blow to the back of the head. Both men Irish whip Kane. Who just runs through the pair of them. Oh, and Shane there with a chair looking on. As Kane tagging an X-Pot now. Puts him in position for the Bronco Buster. And Farouk's loaded up for a choke slam. Oh, but Shane putting a chair in front of X-Pac's face. Knocking him clean out as Kane <laughs> goes after Shane. Well, Kane thought about fighting, but then took flight. Oh! Ooh, clothesline from hell from Bradshaw. Two, three. Oh, my God. And the APA are tag team champions. Well, for the second time tonight, the Acolytes... For the second time tonight, Championship Gold changes hands. And for the first time ever... Fruke and Bradshaw become tag team champions. What are you thinking of that, Dan? Well, it's the second title that's changed hands under shady circumstances. Will lightning strike thrice tonight in the main event? Well, that is the question. You know, we look at Austin and the Untaker, the Corp Ministry just added gold but could be taken away. And it's been a night, I've said a couple of title changes, and Kane looks to be more concerned. He's upset about that, but he is checking on X Park. And this is not something we have seen from him either, so different side. And we see Stone Cold Steve Austin sitting in the back getting ready for tonight's match. <clears throat> well, he looks like he's trying to come up with a game. So have we got footage of someone taking a... 
Well, seriously, there is a camera in the bathroom and someone is taking a big shit and making grunting noises. D-Lo comes in and he whines about how bad it smells. Mark Henry comes out of the stall and Brown whines and wants his hands washed. And Henry messes with him, but does so good. GDTV, fucking horrible. So match seven is Val Venus versus Ken Shamrock. Venus pounds on him in the corner, but Shamrock takes him down and has the arm. Val gets to the ropes, but is still hammered. After the spine buster, he gets two. Two. After the DDT. Shamrock keeps him, but runs into a knee and is run to the other end of the ring and kneed. Now a Russian leg sweep. He wags his hips and Shamrock grabs the ankle, but he escapes and body slams Ken. Jeff Jarrett comes down. That's T, And that distracts him. So Val nails him and gets the win. Well, Nicole helps him up, but he pushes her away and wants to know where she was. Maybe Shamrock won. He's apologising. I mean, she. He states it's okay, and she can make it up to him right now and holds the ropes for her. Val did win, sorry. He rolled him up. Anywho, well, match eight is Mankind versus Triple H, and Triple H charges and the fight is on. Mankind fends him off and whips him into the corner where he bulldogs him, but Triple H fires right back and Mankind heads to the floor. Triple H got Mankind is waiting and slugs him. They fall over the barricade and the brawl there. And here we go, Mankind throwing Triple H back in. And this has been wild. And Mankind's got the steel chair now. And a hardcore match, anything goes. And Triple H could be in trouble. Mankind looking for a pile driver. But Triple H backdropping Mankind onto the chair. And now Triple H on the assault. And he's taking it to Mankind. Irish Rip sends Mankind. No, Irish Rip reversed by Mankind. Sends Triple H over the top rope in the old pectoral manoeuvre the way that he goes. And now Mankind's on the assault already. And what sick and sadistic uh, ideas Mankind going to come up with now as he runs towards Triple H with a chair, but the game gets his foot up, sends the chair into the face of Mankind instead. Mankind now sent into the ring post, and Triple H might go to pedigree him. Right on that steel chair... No, Mankind sweeps the leg, sends Triple H back first onto the chair, catapults him into the steel ring post and drops him with a huge clothesline. Well, Mankind just keeps on going no matter what. Oh! Well, he did keep on going until China (laughs) whacked him over the head with a chair, but I think that's just pissed off the masked man. And Triple H from behind sends Mankind into China, who goes into the steel stairs. Well, Triple H concerned by China, but it's for the greater good. Only briefly concerned by her, till he turns his attentions back to mankind. Well, Triple H would be a huge victory if he could beat a former champion. These two men have fought in the past, and now China's got hold of the sledgehammer. Mankind ducks the clothesline and grabs a mandible claw in on Triple H. Turns the game to one knee. Triple H is fading fast, but China... With a low blow with the uh, sledgehammer handle. Well, it's all legal. And China just can't stop putting her hands on mankind's junk. Down on the floor. I mean, he's just been low blowed. He's pointing to his crutchula area. And he pulls out that foul-smelling sock, I must presume. And China is in all sorts of trouble. Oh, and China's... Got something in her mouth that was in Mankind's pants. It's his big white sock. Oh! A Triple H going to the knee with a sledgehammer. Hooks in one, two, three. And Mankind taken out there. 
Right, few things to discuss after that. Triple H, firstly, getting probably the biggest victory of his uh, new heel turn. He's going as well. We didn't even mention the fact China is the first woman in a King of the Ring tournament, even though it's well known now. Still huge news, as it was 20 years ago. You talk about Deborah, the women's champion, and the bra and panties matches, that was, or the evening gown matches. She is one woman making a difference there. And thirdly, Mankind. This is Mankind. He's got an injury layoff now. He's been gone for a couple of months and he'll come back. Of course, we'll cover the story there. But uh, obviously, after the King of the Ring, this is his first time to actually go away and get a bit of work done for him. And it puts Triple H over as a killer, using that sledgehammer again, showing he doesn't care, and uh, putting Mankind away. So I think it's good all round. What are your thoughts? It is indeed, Jess. You know, um, we all know the history that Mankind and Triple H will go on to have over the next few years and these guys have got two great chemistry together and yeah this is certainly doing really well in building up what is going to become the cerebral assassin, mm. the game, the Triple H you know, the one who's not just the uh, the second in command of DX to Shawn Michaels or you know he's no one's bitch yeah. you know he is, this kind of puts him over as his own man and, you know, especially like the extended layoff uh, Mankind's going to have as well. It kind of, you know, puts it into stead. And, of course, this is setting up a program between The Rock and Triple H as well after the heinous attack Triple H put on him in the casket. And it shows what Triple H is doing with the sledgehammer as well, you know. And The Rock is not happy coming out and stopping that. Triple H running away with China. Checking on Mankind, of course, we'll get that later on in the year as well. The Rock and Sock connection. But The Rock not wanting to see what happens. But again, like I said, the story just evolves and turns into the same, you know what I mean? Just carries on as well. And it's so well done. Yes, well, we go backstage and Mankind is getting carted off in an ambulance. And Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve, our title, is our main event. And the Undertaker's got the Smoking Skull title round his waist. Seems to like that even more. It means more to Austin, doesn't it, than the actual championship belt itself. It does indeed, yes. But can Austin... Get his smoking skull belt back tonight, or will there be more shenanigans and hoodwinks in play? As you know, the Undertaker's uh, got many people at his uh, resources, and Austin is all alone. But Undertaker has promised, Dan, that tonight he will reveal the greater power to Stone Cold. So, who will it be? I mean, we've been talking about it now for months. Isn't it Shane O'Mac? Well, it could be a shame that man. We've seen he's been a bit of a mastermind behind it. Wait a minute, Austin. Scurrying from one side of the ring to the other as the Undertaker goes after him. He takes the legs out. And, you know, Austin's more of a brawler as opposed to your technically gifted wrestler. But just the intelligence. How am I going to get one up on the Undertaker? Right, I'll make him follow me to the edge of the ring apron, drag his legs round chop the tree down of the big man. You know, he's got wrestling intelligence space. And this is why it's not boring watching Austin, even though people might say, you know, there's a lot of brawling wherever it is. There's a lot of intelligence to it and how it goes around as well. There's always a kind of story told at the end of the day, even throughout the episode or just the match itself, you know. And we see normally like Vincent Mann getting the opportunity earlier for Austin. We talk about the history with them. You know, and Shane McMahon must be uh, flabbergasted by it all. And what night has been already? We've seen new Intercontinental Champion, new Tag Team Champion as well. Well, we see a new WWF Champion. <clears throat> Austin certainly seems game for it as he uh, gets a Fez press on Undertaker and just waiting away with them big rights. Drops the elbow to the jaw. Goes for the cover. Two. 
No, Undertaker managing to kick out. Ah. Uh, who imagine what man could have power over the Undertaker? You know, you talk about that. You talk about Paul Bearer. Maybe he might know some. Maybe it'd be uh, someone else as well. Jake Roberts or someone like that might have known. Is, is there the another? Game. Is there another cane-like creature? Yeah. Is there another brother we haven't heard of? Is there a sister? Is the dad still alive? You know, we don't have we seen really the end of that. I mean, who is the Undertaker? Could be taken, you know, orders from. Is it Lucifer himself? Is it Satan? Are we going to see here? Debut? Is it the gobbledygooker? Is it the gobbledygooker? <laughs> the big egg comes out. Could be JR. Well, we don't know. It's Undertaker finished up by Austin. Hits him with a huge uppercut. Upper what? Is it Ted DiBiase? You know, he brought the Undertaker in originally. He might be a voice in his ear. Was it in WCW? Yeah, but I mean, it could be anybody at this point. Eric Bischoff. <laughs> and Austin looking for the pole driver and Undertaker backdrops him the left knee gave away we we just don't know it could be Sable or we know who's the higher power DDP Nicole Bass <laughs> the possibilities are endless Goldberg Sting um, Judy Bagwell Judy <laughs> Bagwell oh Hebner Charles Robinson Bret Hart. Oh, my warrior. He is the power. Or could it be Hulk Hogan? <clears throat> no, I know who it is. Go on. Sid Justice, because he has the power to rule the world. And now the Undertaker's taken over. Or is he, the Undertaker? It could be the Undertaker. The Undertaker could be talking to the Undertaker. How crazy would that be? The Undertaker from Some Sam 994, a purple Undertaker, purple-headed warrior coming out here face-to-face with the Undertaker. It'd be incredible. But anyway, we <laughs> should hopefully yeah. find out at the end of this episode. Whilst they're managing to fight back, it's a huge clothesline straight into the cover. Two. Oh. No, only a two count. Two. Austin begging the Undertaker to get up as he clotheslines him straight back down, straight into a cover again. For another two. Two. Another. <clears throat> another two. Uh, another two. I don't know how much, but I got another two. <laughs> Big boot early Undertaker, though, and oh, just like that, back in control. He doesn't need shame at man as referee to be dominating this match so far. Oh, Undertaker with a cover this time, but Austin managing to kick out. Oh. And Undertaker sending Austin into the still stairs. Both of these men struggling on the outside and Austin looking for a suplex. Now Undertaker hits one instead. Oh my God, right onto those waist down. Oh, and that metal rampway. And yes, James, them mats are mere millimetres thick. I'm shocked. Over pure concrete. But thank God our Super Soaker double feature picked that out. And Austin's trying to fight back, but the Undertaker's just been on top at the moment. Austin, just with a big right hand, sending Undertaker on that second rope. Oh, looking to drop the leg on the back of the out, but Undertaker moving out of the way, and Austin just springing back off the second rope. Uh-oh, and the Undertaker now signaling for the end. Looking for the tombstone pole driver. Paul Bear is smirking. No, he's not. Danny's just happy that the Undertaker's going to put Stone Cold away. Austin ducks a clothesline, hits a stunner. One, One two. two. Oh, oh. No, Bearer makes the save. <laughs> and Austin clocks him with a right hand. Oh, my God. Bearer's down. He rolled on the ref. The ref's dead. Oh, uh, Big Bossman's coming down, though, with his nightstick. Will he have success? Oh. No, he gets stunned instead <laughs> as the Bossman just 
flops like a fish. Yeah, <laughs> a fish out of water. But here comes Midian, the new tag team oh, champions, Acolytes and Triple H. The numbers, god damn it. <clears throat> the numbers, guys. Viscera. How can, you not, how can you not see Viscera? But the bell's ringing, even though the referee hasn't called for it, I presume. Well, Viscera's the same weight as a brood, but they're beating up Austin now. Is this the sacrifice that Austin's uh, going to get? Oh, and Austin into the ropes, being hung up, and there's no help. No one's here. And what the hell's Yontaker looking at now? And oh my God, we're all getting on their knees. Is this the higher power? The greater power is here. Who can it be? Who? 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 Well, this is scary. It's got to be Shane O'Mac. Well, you don't see the Untaker taking a knee often. And they're all bowing down to the higher power, the greater power. Greater power, higher power. Well, King's saying it's going to be Shane McMahon as well. It kind of makes sense in that way. Well, every time Undertaker mentioned the higher power, he was looking. Well, the greater power is here. And he's getting in the ring and facing Austin. There's nothing Austin can do. And the greater power is going to reveal himself to Austin. And it is... And who is it, Austin? Does Austin know? Austin knows. He's just seen the greater power. But who is it? Tune in next week to find out. <clears throat> James, I can't wait. We're going to have to do the April's one, uh, March, April, May, June's one as well. Well, that's it for WF in May, Dan. <laughs> no, James, <laughs> yeah. you can't leave me like that. <laughs> that's what we're leaving it on. Uh, with the monster rating everything gone right, we found out next month, we will reveal next month who the greater power is. I can't wait, James. <laughs> You're a cunt. Uh, but let's jump ship to the WCW, and there was no nitro after Slambrees. He had two weeks to fight back in the Monday Night War. Well, the main story is coming out of the pay-per-view that the Steiners were reforming and each holding gold, attacking Sting and Goldberg. In the main event, Bischoff returned to do the right thing, leading to Kevin Nash becoming the WCW champion. So it's episode 1917th. Ratings dropped to a f- about a four, 3.4 and they got a 3.9 in the first hour. But the final hour dropped to a measly 2.6. Holy shit, that is awful. Not being on for a week kills them. Raw got a 6.4 and the first hour is relatively low with a 5.6. But the second hour shut up to a record 7.1. Something got a million Nitro viewers to change the channel. Well, Elimo arrives and Flair and friends get out and so does DDP. Well, Charles takes Piper's name down as the press that was on the door and puts it in flares. President, I think. Oh, <clears throat> Charles takes P- 
Piper's name down as the president that was on the door and puts in flares. Well, here comes Flair. He's all wound up. He's the president. I'll get some speaking time, and then the horseman will get revenge. Back to Flair, who threatens to walk into Turner's office. He screams about Space Mountain and the Turner Empire, and he's the president. Fans, he wants a mixed tag team match with him and Charles against Savage and George. Bischoff's call will not stand, and Nash and DDP will have a rematch. Well, here comes DDP, and he agrees that Flair should be the president because of decisions like that. Everyone knows that DDP has never cried over a finish, but at the last pay-per-view, he got screwed. Fans chant sexy, and since Nash has Bischoff in his back pocket, this self-high-five guy is bringing in some of his friends. Well, fans chant Goldberg, and he responds that he does not think so. He brings out Bam Bam Bigelow. Bigelow bellows that he has his back. DDP will be a three-time champ tonight. Flair goes over some of the matches again, and he calls it the best Nitro ever. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. Well, Bischoff is sitting down in a pre-recorded interview. He meant what he said when he admitted to screwing things up. It is no secret that everyone worked hard for WCW in becoming the best wrestling organised and they dominated for 88 weeks. Well, now the competition has heated up and it's gotten more competitive than he had hoped. He admits to being complacent and not easy to work with, in not the same words, but he's committed to turning it around. Well, we get a Goldberg and Bret Hart recap. Yeah, Bret Hart uh, still play blocking Goldberg's spear a few weeks ago, then quitting, and then returning at Slam Brewery and costing Goldberg in his match against Sting. Nash's with Jay Leno only agrees that Bret Hart has gone off the deep end. In tonight's show, we put up two hundred and fifty grand. Nash will do whatever he wants. I've heard Bret Hart was supposed to show up. And they were going to fight there, but the ride was not there for Bret to get in time. Well, Bischoff states that what he did was right. Nash had the match won. Bischoff was not operating in an official capacity, but he did what was right. Nick Patrick did the right thing, and Nash kind of deserves to be champ. He does not care what kind of heat comes down due to that and the Piper match. Well, Shivani's confused about where to go to next. We go back to Bischoff. So a lot of things are going to change. He admits to treating people poorly and making some bad decisions. And that is a good thing to admit mistakes. Not everyone welcome him back, but he has to do is change and rebuild a company to be where he thinks it should be. If he does not get the opportunity to become president again, he will still do whatever it takes to make it number one. He hopes people forgive him. I think he mentioned Bret Hart, but I'm not sure. I kind of switched off a little bit. Well, another limo has arrived and he and Piper get out and walk inside the arena. Well, today talks about Bret Hart and he'll be on the Tonight Show tomorrow night. Well, match one is Evan Courageous versus Rey Mysterio for the WCW Cruiserweight title. So after all that, we finally get our first match. And Evan whips him into the corner, but Ray comes back and connects with a moonsault. Now Evan flies from the top and gets two. Two. Evan misses in the corner. It's Bronco Buster time. Ray puts him up top, but it's shoved off. However, he runs over and crotches him. Hawaka runner, and he wins. That was just a bit too quick to be impressive, especially for a Cruiserweight match. Well, Nate knocks on Flair's door. Little Nate knocks on Flair's door. And Flair is asking some wrestler to work in the office with him. The dude is baffled. Flair is taking him off the road and he will get a secretary. Every great promoter pushes his kid. Flair is going to push him down and everyone's throat and they will love him. Is Buddy Lee or Parker. He has to lay down for David and Flair will take care of his family. Well, Buddy is unsure and is very monotone, but he goes along. Flair calls out Tori and David, and Flair talks about how proud he made him against Ming. David excited to fight Buddy Lee as Rick declares he's on the way to the title. David is for it. Tori wants to make sure he keeps his promise as he flirts with her. 
And here comes Booker T. He's upset, and that should be the and he should be the champ still. Gene reminds him that Rick had help, and Stevie was not there. Booker does not worry about that, and he is a true people's champ. Rick, better get ready because they are not playing. Gene mentions that you have to stroke to get that match on paper. Booker responds that he started from the bottom and he went up from there. JJ and Flair need to do whatever necessary to get this match going, I think, tonight. Well, match two is Buddy Lee Murphy versus... Buddy Lee Murphy? (laughs) Buddy Murphy. Parker versus David Flair. Well, David is getting mauled. He gets in a little offence. Charles and the Horsemen are getting a bit irate. But he goes up top, and I think he's pushed off, and David puts him in the figure four, and Charles calls for the bell. I think this was meant to be comedy. Well, match three is Ric Flair and Charles Robinson versus Randy Savage and Gorgeous George. Well, Flair has the mic, and he wants no excuses, and he wants all of Team Madness ringside right now. He wants Medusa, and the announcers are confused again, as it is Medusa fighting and not George. Heenan just says to roll with it. George has crutches, that is why. Still, everyone seems baffled this entire show. Yeah, I mean, the mismanagement of WSW at this time when they don't really have a clue what's going on next is a bit weird, but here we go. So It's a match that everybody wants to see. Macho Man is back in WCW, and he's teaming with Medusa. And look at Le- Charles Robinson. Well, even in defeat at Slam Breeze, not going to stop him. Is Charles Robinson a little Ric Flair? Or is Ric Flair a big Charles Robinson? <laughs> I think we found out that, yeah, everything uh, Ric Flair does based off Charles Robinson. Medusa, former WF Women's Champion. And Flair and, and little Charles Robinson. Perfect. And a springboard arm drag <laughs> takedown by Charles Robinson. Very impressive in the ring there. Oh, but Medusa with a huge clothesline. And Robinson with a flare bump <laughs> and he scrambles away to his corner. Well, Flair can't believe it. Medusa just beating up Charles Robinson. She drops him to the mat. Looking to go down low on Little Nate. And a leg drop and tags in Macho Man. And Little Nate tags in Ric Flair. <laughs> well, now things are about to get serious. A collar by tie up. Now Flair pushing off the Macho Man. But Macho with a shoulder block. Just waiting away with a big right hand to the head of Flair. <laughs> Flair trying to fight it, but no success. And a 10 punches to the head and Flair with a flare bump. But responds with a huge chop to the chest. And goes down low as Robinson distracts the referee. Oh, come on. That wasn't fair. And Charles Robinson's going to go in there now and take on Macho Man. Double X handle smash. Robinson's got the upper hand on Ric Flair. <laughs> Macho Man. Macho Man. Is Macho Man now. He's got all of Robinson. Robinson thrown across the ring and now Medusa back in. Snapmare takedown, followed by a second. Goes for the trivector. Now what's she going to do, Charles Robinson, now? He's got him up for a pole driver. Oh! Drops Robinson in a pole driver, goes for the cover. No, Robinson, very wise, had his foot on the bottom rope. Well, Macho's saying, that's a free. And I'm going to hit a tree. <laughs> Uh-oh, Flair back in now. Flair and Medusa going to go at it. Drop toehold by Medusa, though. And she's riding Flair. She's riding Space Mountain. <laughs> well, it might, be the oldest, it might be the oldest ride, but it's got the longest line. Well, Flair's popping there. Look at him. Oh, God. A bit of a botched body, uh, 
backdrop though. As Medusa looks for the bulldog, but Flair reverses it into a... And a Flair with the elbow drop, and he doesn't care if that's a woman. Gyrating his hips to uh, get Macho Man into the ring. He's saying that's what he did to Liz. Now we're going to see figure four. Now he's going to start working on the leg. Figure four time. No, Medusa with a roll-up. One, two. No, Flair managing to kick out. Oh. He's not happy with the ref and gets pushed. Schoolboy roll-up. Two. And a two again. Two. And Betty's back suplex. Now Flair's going to lock in the figure four. He's got his sixth in deep. Well, Medusa can't last long for this. And where is Macho Man going? A kick for Flair and a punch for Charles. Well, she couldn't get the tag low and Flair brings her out. Oh, low blow to Ric Flair though. And she manages to tag in Savage. And Flair and Robinson both get dropped with punches and then clotheslines. Well, now Flair and Robinson are going to double-team Macho Man. Oh, but Macho ducking the first time and catching them both with a double clothesline second time round. Flair with the eye poke. Goes up top. Gets caught by Savage and thrown across the ring. And Little Nature's turn as well as he goes <laughs> up top and gets thrown across the ring. And Flair now into the corner. Classic Flair bump over the ropes. Little Nature's turn. He lands on the apron but gets closed on down as well. And Medusa's fighting Flair down the entranceway. Scoop slam for Little Nature. Savage goes up top. Well, what a mismatch this is. <laughs> it's a mismatch, oh man. Here he comes. Hits the elbow on Little Nate. And the free count with the foot on the chest. Macho beating Robinson. But the fans enjoyed it. I think that's quite enjoyable, Dan. What are your thoughts? That was a thoroughly enjoyable match, yeah. You know, Little Nate, I think he has got a serious <laughs> bit of talent for a referee. He's probably one of the most gifted referee rest slash wrestlers I think I've seen in the business. Look, and to be fair, at this moment in time, they're not hurting anybody. Yeah, they're fighting for presidency as it was. But when using a tag team match like this, they're not being the main event, wherever it is, they're being entertaining, and it's a good use for them, isn't it? You know, so. It is, yeah. Well, Gene calls out Piper. Piper declares himself the president of WCW, and he mocks Flair for being broke, and he needs the money. He tells a story about being in a bar where Flair comes in wearing a dress, and he dances the night away. Gene gets to the point and declares that Flair has always been unstable. Flair was at a press conference, and he thought the Phantom Menace meant Hillary Clinton. Well, Flair chases himself naked around the desk. He's reading this off a clipboard. Flair is Rodman's best friend and sports advisor as well as a marriage advisor. He goes on and on about Flair going from a 60-minute man to a 60-second one. Piper calls out Bischoff, and Roddy goes off on him for the hell of it, and he says he's put him through. <clears throat> Piper calls out Bischoff and goes off on him from the hell he is put him through. He mentions Randy Anderson... Bischoff states he and Pipe had this conversation in private, but we'll air it out here too. He apologises again and is booed as he does not blame the fans. Piper reiterates that Eric is going to change the company and that he responds he will do his best to help WSW. Here comes Savage. Well, Savage gets in Bischoff's face and demands a title shot. He is owed. Piper disagrees and stays in line and Savage refuses to leave until he gets his title shot. Piper gets in his face and George wallops him with a crutch and Piper gets a pile driver. Bischoff was kicked too. Savage goes up and is going to launch the elbow on Bischoff. Nash is in the ring and Savage leaves to the floor. 
Well, Savage wants his title shot tonight and practically begs for it. He asks Nash to hand it over to him like he did to Hogan. Nash mocks him for using his Amex to get his dates for tonight. The finger poke was political, and now Savage will have to pry it from his dead hands, and Nash responds that he has no choice and repeats that. Well, match four is Hack versus Fit Finlay. Well, Hack has the mic and he reminds all the fans that he's the most hardcore wrestler on the planet. He talks about all his accomplishments and how he beat them within an inch for their career. Fit is on screen, he's sick of Hack, and he's come for him right now. Well, the match is on and Fit beats the shades. The match is on and Fit beats the shakendo stick and then drives it into his throat. Fit back kicks him in the nuts and wallops him with the stick in the chest and chokes him out with it now. Nobs comes in, Fit is tossed onto a table in the corner, as is Hack. Nobs grabs the ladder and tosses it onto Fit, and then tosses him through the ropes, and Hack is too. He tosses a broken table after him and exits the ring, and Hack is right there, and he beats his ass. Now Fit enters the fray, and everyone is beating everyone. Nobs gets a chair upside his head, and Fit goes after Hack. The match has been thrown out. Well, match five is Rick Steiner versus Booker T for the WWTV title. But Booker T is laid out in the back. Rick has a mic and calls Booker a coward and nothing without his brother. This is the new Rick. He challenges anyone and stumbles over his own name and finally gets it right. He starts to leave, stating no one wants to face him. He stops and stares at the crowd. Look at that. And this is a different side of Rick Steiner that we've seen. Well, that blonde streak in his beard could might as well be a mean streak. Oh, wait a minute. There is someone that wants to fight him. It's the Stinger. And it's a man who's got a problem because Rick Steiner interfered in his match against Goldberg. And the fight is on now. And these two men are fighting in the aisle way. Oh, Sting sending Rick into Barricade. And back into Barricade for a second time. Bounces his head off the announce table. So has Nitro got a near ring announce table now, then? Yeah. That's what happened with their new look and they changed it. To be a bit closer. I like to call it the end of days look because, uh, well, for obvious reasons, really. Baron Corbin's there. Yeah. Sting throws in Rick now. We're going to get it. Oh, dog. Well, the bell rings and Stein, uh, Stein is in trouble. Sting looking to put him away. Sting a splash, but Steiner moves out of the way. Now Rick's got him up. Upside down into the turnbuckle. Leaves Sting hanging there. Can the new Rick beat Sting? Well, if he can, it'd be one of the biggest victories. Attitude. It'd be worthwhile. He's already TV champion. Now Rick just smothering Sting. He's taken out one of the franchise players. He's taken out the franchise, but Sting manages to get out to his feet. Starts trying to fight back, but gets quickly cut off by Rick. Snapmare takedown. Just clubbing blows to the face. Goes through the cover, but Sting managing to kick out. Oh. And now Rick just got complete control of Sting, sends him to the outside. Well, Sting hasn't had much of a offence in this match, which is quite unusual going against Rick. Sent him to the ring post. And now Rick's exposing. He's moving those wafer-thin mats. And it's pure concrete. Look at the suplex Sting, who's blocking it. And manages to reverse it and suplex Rick onto the wafer-thin mat. There hasn't been... Exposed to the concrete below. And that's why Rick's recovered so quickly. Sting still a bit shocked. And now they're back near the announce table. Now choking him out. Oh, now Rick's going to try and use Sting's move on him. No, Sting realised. Hits him with the atomic drop and then a drop kick. Clotheslines Rick down. Now Sting going up top. 
Diving clothesline. And takes Rick Steiner out. Oh. And here comes Scott Steiner to check on his brother. Oh, I see what Rick Steiner. He's got the inverted version of what Rick Scott's got. Yeah, so the Steiners are truly back together in facial hair and everything. And now Sting is a bit outnumbered. And here comes... Oh. It's Lex Luger. Lex Luger. The match has been thrown out even though nothing actually happened in this match. And it's Luger instead of Goldberg who's come to his aid. Former tag team partners. And they fend off the Steiners. And again, something that was interesting in Sting and Goldberg, they put Lex Luger in now. You know what I mean? It's like, I've been thinking, the two guys that might made the huge difference, you know, Sting and Goldberg would probably be the two, but they're frightening this now and make a difference. I know there's others that you could mid-card and whatever it is, but as a main event, no offence to like Nash or DDP or, or anybody else like that, but you could put Sting against Dante, you could put Goldberg against Austin, you've got money right there. Anyway, moving on to our next match, Conan versus Kurt Henning. <laughs> Well, Conan tries to do his thing, but his music is still going, so he tells them to shut it off, and he does his things. The fans love it. Well, the ref is knocked down, and Conan spikes Kurt, and he has him down, but Savage comes down and sends Nash a message via Conan. He tells her that Nash is not man enough to deal with him, and Savage can do what he wants, and Conan is knocked to the floor, and Savage pounds him and then whips him into the steps. He rolls him back into the ring, and Kurt wins with the plex. It got real slow for a bit, but it was quite decent. Conan loses again, but it's angle advancement, I guess. Way to kill an overface, though. Well, match seven is Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko versus Raven and Saturn for the WSW Tag Team titles. The fans chant that the horsemen suck as Dean takes it to Saturn and Benoit. The fans chant that the horsemen suck as Dean takes it to Saturn and Benoit is back in and both work over the knee. And now Benoit does it solo. He's stomping on it and jumping on it. Malenko's tagged back in and he's stomping on the knee now. Benoit's back in and all four and Saturn are whipped into each other. Saturn is snap suplexed and Benoit misses a flying headbutt but Dean powerbombs Saturn. Canyon is on the ropes and that brings in Double A who whacks Raven with a tire iron and he fall, but he falls to the floor. Dean goes up top and Canyon pushes him off into the waiting arms of Saturn who finishes him off with the Death Valley driver. And it was a really great match between the two teams and uh, Spice in finish in the end as well. Saturn and Raven managing to retain. Or well, Benyon in the back and t- talks to him but Canyon brushes him aside. And on to match eight which is DDP versus Kevin Nash for the WCW title. Well Nash knocks him into the corner and it's Nash time which means knees and elbows. Nash knocks him Nash knocks him to the floor after some more knees, etc. Bigelow is coming down to the ring to watch DDP's back. And we see him there getting involved on the apron as DDP now looks to be choking Nash. So we get the main event of Slam repeated two weeks later. And it's Bam Bam Bigelow, man who came in first and then kind of treated badly and now put back in main event scene with DDP. Um, in some respects, yeah. We'll see if Nash can retain the WWE title. He's got Macho after him as well. Which, again, where is Goldberg at this time? Indeed, and Brett. It's probably the hottest storyline at the moment. We're not thinking about it. And Paige in complete control here. Paige leaps up to the top turnbuckle. Just takes Nash down. Two. 
No, only a two count. Two. But is, uh, does Paige feel a bit more cocky now that he's got Bigelow by his side? I think so, you know, he's quite a big man. A oh, big man. And he keeps an eye out here. The beast from the east. Well, I, I don't know if WCW's new look or what it's done, but I feel like Nash and DDP are quite old guys looking at this compared to what we've seen in WWF. You know, maybe it's just... Cause it, the the action's a little bit quicker, I don't know, but it just feels a bit fresher as well, doesn't it? You know, like yeah, you know, even the mat seems a little bit grubbier. To I know WF, you know, had blood stains on it the other week, but still, like yeah, I see what you mean. It might just be a more unfortunate design. Well, I don't know, you know, and like all the storylines, you get a couple of them that gel, but a majority of them just don't mesh. Like they don't make any sense, and they've got no rhyme. Well, just look at DDP, you know, like, he won the title in a four corners match with Macho Cost Flair. That's a storyline that kind of does make sense between the two. But now Macho wants Nash, which doesn't because Nash created the Wolf Pack because of Macho Man. So we've seen no problems with them before. He talked about the finger poker doom bringing politics into it. But that was only startly start of the year. So it's only a couple of months ago, you know, so. Oh, Nash reverses the Irish rip from DDP, sends him face flow. Rolls him up, but DDP managing to kick out. Oh. Nash ducks a clothesline and hits one of his own. Well, Paige managed to get it shoulder up at two. Two. What's Bigelow even doing? Well, no, Bigelow just looks awful like that as well, you know. You know, Viscera and Big Boss Man might not be in great shape, but they're dressed up correctly, if you know what yeah. I mean. They look... But what's Bigelow doing? Why is he coming in and trying to potentially fuck the match up on a DQ for Nash? Well, see, the thing, he wants to make DDP be champion again. And here comes Macho. And the match has been thrown out. Yeah, here we go. Disqualification. And now it's Bigelow, Macho, and DDP beating down Kevin Nash. And the fans chanting for Goldberg. We won't see Goldberg. Well, the, the one man they want to see, we've not seen on Nitro here tonight. See, in if this was WWE, <laughs> then... Austin slash Goldberg would come out. Yeah, exactly. Glass smash and it'd be your ass. But a beat down to end things. And Macho and DDP fist each other in the middle of the ring. And I don't think we're finished just yet. There's another two minutes of this. And George, Molly, Holly and Medusa come down. And Macho sending the referee out. That'll be a fine. Is that like Godfather and his hose? Well, Macho has got a few... And he's putting lipstick on Kevin Nash. Well, I don't know why Macho's doing that for. Maybe he's showing him for the clown that he is. <laughs> oh, the fans got in. Yeah, that's WWE. Fans are jumping in. But it's not in a good way. They're not jumping in because they're like... They're jumping in because they're bored and disappointed. And fucking... Yeah. I don't feel sorry for Kevin Nash whatsoever, though. Because I know he's been a cunt the past couple of years. I know yeah. the fans... Might be behind. And Macho, I was, I was pleased to see him. And now he's kind of... Done a hill turn. But he's getting cheered. I think, as you say, WCW fans are just stupid. Honestly, I, and this is the fact the way I tuned out. They were just like... He just elbow dropped him. Why are you picking him up again? Well, now Macho having a go at Shivani and Heenan. And does that make Macho look like a maniac? Does he look... Is it Macho madness? Or does he just look like a fucking idiot? 
Um, a little from column A and a little from column B. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a good show. It's some great wrestling overall. was really entertaining. Not sure why Goldberg was not there. Do find it odd that Nash challenged Bret Hart, not Goldberg challenging him, and Macho challenging Nash, which doesn't make any sense anyway. Anyway, move on to episode 192, and it's May 24th for the Bilo Centre in Greenville, South Carolina. Yes, Bobby the Brain and Tony Schiavone are commentating. And the big story tonight is the return of Hulk Hogan, which somehow sounds like a breath of fresh air. Randy Savage has been pushed as a killing machine because he wants a title, but he's gone back and forth on being good or evil in the last few weeks. Yeah, he helped the Hill page keep the title for reasons that aren't clear. Then he feuded with Flair as a face and then just started going after Nash without ever having a big evil moment. Either way, he's dragging the company through the floor, but if almost everyone else is too, let's get to it. Well, we open with an in-memory of graphic for Owen Hart and the free bell salute. We recap the Steiners becoming the super evil brothers and squaring off with Sting and Luger last week. Recap the main points of last week's show and Thunder with Savage beating up five guys on his own. Yeah, Bigelow's yelling at Raven and Saturn and reminds them about getting a partner. DDP runs up with a two-by-four and the champions get beaten down. Old guys over young guys again. Well, we get some Nitro Girls. And Tony says his thoughts and prayers are with the Hart family. Well, we get Van Hammer versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. Well, both guys are ready in the ring, so I don't see this lasting long. Hammer is now just a basic big man and looks like a bit of a biker. He throws Chavo around to start and hammers away in a corner. Well, Big Boot drops Chavo, but he comes back with a drop kick and a drop toe hold. That earns Chavo a press slam, but he slips down the back into a sunset flip for two. Two! A suplex and a leg drop get the same for Hammer, but Chavo escapes the Cobra Clutch slam. Well, Chavo tries a fez press and gets caught in a bear hug, followed by the flashback Alabama slam for the pin. It was a total squash. Indeed, yes, we get a video on Randy Savage. And that cunt DJ ran. Lovely. Well, Gene brings out banged up Disco Inferno, who is wearing sunglasses to cover up a black eye. He didn't care for Savage's travelling show of pimps and hoes, attacking him on Thursday and says he can get Savage in touch with Nash. Savage has been going after the young talent of the company and thinks it's because Randy is afraid of them. Well, that brings out Ernest the Cat Miller, of all people, to dance and tell Disco to be a man. Disco wants Cat out of his face. Would he prefer DJ ran up in his area? And the fight is on. Nick Patrick comes out, but it's quickly knocked to the floor, so I don't think this is a match. Well, Miller goes after the eye with a show and the other referees come down to get Disco out. We cut to the black and white locker room for the Miller is talking about you bit with Norton. Because that's still a thing. Norton chases Miller off. Well, Mike Tanae goes into Ric Flair's office. And we get a video on Nash. Well, Flair and Anson are with El Dandy and offer to elevate his status for a loss to David tonight. Buddy Lee Parker comes in and asks for the office and secretary he has promised. Instead, he's given a Gold's Gym membership and an offer to fight Benoit tonight. Parker takes it and says he won't lay down again. Gene brings out Mike Tanae, who has an update on the Randy Savage situation. Situation. He's getting the world title shot at Great American Bash. Ric Flair storms out and talks to a woman in the audience saying her mum rode Space Mountain 20 years ago and maybe she'll get to tonight. As for business, Savage has an injured Charles Robinson is thinking about banning the top rope elbow as punishment. I tell you what, if he has injured Charles Robinson, that elbow needs to be banned. That is disgraceful. We may never see Little Nature ever again. You know that. I, I hope we do. He's the best. 
Well, Flair says he's the only man in WCW with power, so Bischoff and Piper can tell their stories walking. Now it's time to make some future stars. Flair loses his voice by saying this, maybe realising how bogus is what he's saying is. Well, it is Al Dandy versus David. Well, during the entrances, Tony announces that the Tonight Show match has been cancelled, meaning Nash may be here tonight. Dandy gets taken down by a shoulder and clothesline as David can barely even run the ropes properly. He avoids a drop kick low and backdrops Dandy with ease. A nice-looking suplex gets two. Two. But Dandy smacks him in the face. Anderson sneaks in for a spine buster, setting up the figure four for the win. Again, it really doesn't look like the guys are throwing the matches, making the story just a bit confusing. Gene brings out Buff Bagwell, who agrees that Savage is scared of the younger guys. Savage can come after him any time, but tonight it's about him getting the TV title. You know, I could get behind this old versus young storyline if they do it right. Indeed, yes, you know, it could be an interesting segment that kind of changes things up a bit. But here's a five-minute package on Eric Bischoff's rise to power in WCW and joining the NWO. We're nearly halfway through the show and haven't seen two matches, but we have time for a guy who presumably has no power. Well, our next match is a battle royale, and it features Cyclops, Kaz Hayashi, Prince Ikea, Johnny Swinger, Juventud Guerrero, Villano 5, Damien, Kidman, Psychosis, Lash LaRue, Blitzkrieg, Evan Courageous. Well, the winner gets a shot of rain next week. Hoover falls down on the way to the ring. I guess he's drunk. Uh, it's a huge brawl to start with everyone sending everyone else to the ropes for attempted eliminations. Damien slams Blitzkids and Villano gets knocked down by Saint. The camera misses. Ikea works on Kidman near the ropes as LaRue is almost put out by Psychosis. Cyclops. Oh, Cyclops gets taken out, taken down. But not out by a top rope Hurricane Rana. Blitzkrieg takes LaRue out with a double with a Hurricane Rana of his own, but falls outside for a double elimination. Good timing too, as the ring was too full. They keep slugging out on the floor as Kidman clotheslines Icar out. Since this is WCW though, here's Hugh Morris to come in and destroy everyone in sight. Everyone jumps on him, but he's able to throw out Damien, swing out Psychosis, Cyclops, Kaz, and Evan. Well, that leaves Hoovy and Kidman in the ring because, heaven forbid, anyone other than those two get pushed against Mysterio. Kidman goes after Morris as Hoovy bails, but for once more, Morris is able to powerbomb Kidman in half. No laughing matter crushes him again, and Morris goes up for a second, but Ray runs out and dropkicks Morris to the floor. There's no bell, but since Kidman is the only guy left in, I assume he wins. Either out or WWE just managed to have a battle royal end in a no contest. Only WCW. <laughs> Well, for failure, because there's no other word to describe it, the cruiserweight division is a disaster right now, and no one but Hoovy, Ray, and Kidman are constantly pushed. And now Hugh Morris, a jobber to the stars, beats up about six guys with ease before another runs away from him. On top of that, we're now heading towards Kidman versus Mysterio again. Well, here's Piper to really get things going. We get some Stanley Cheat Heat with mentions of the local baseball team and Piper saying he had about 50 fights in this town and two or three of them were in this ring. Piper doesn't care for Bischoff's apologies but his real issues with Randy Savage. Well, of course it is. He lays down on the mat and calls out Savage but gets the girls instead. Well, Piper asks Miss Madness how she won the title before asking George where Savage is. She says he's being honoured and Piper makes Slim Jim jokes. He yells at all of them until Flair comes out for a save, earning him a beating. Well, this brings out Paige and Bigelow to lay out Piper for some reason. Paige says Flair owes him, so Flair gives him a tag team title shot at Great American Bash. Flair also makes another match between him and Piper for the show because, oh, you know the drill by now. Benoit and Malenko are in the back watching what just happened. 
Dean wants to know where their title shot is. I think you have to be over 45 to get a push around here. Dean Malenko's wrestling smartest man. Benoit thinks Flair is for Flair. And Dean says every man is for himself. That might do it for the horseman then. Well, we get a video on Luger and Sting's history together going back a long, long way. Back in 1846 when they faced off against Sting with Wilbur Schneider and his... Uh, George Hackenschmidt. And George Hackenschmidt. Yes, Dan, we watched that the other day. Yeah, Absolute classic. Yeah. Well, Piper's getting his rib taped up and says he wants... Flair, Page, and Big Lowe's versus himself and two partners. Gee, I wonder who they'll be. Well, Tony says WWE's partnering with Tommy Boy Records to merge wrestling and music. They're about 15 years too late, but that's WWE for you. Well, Kurt Henning comes out and tells Tony to turn him on. His headset, you see. <laughs> Kurt doesn't like rap music, but did like beating up Conan recently. We get a video on a Tommy Boy Records wrestling theme party. And it's Chris Benoit versus Buddy Lee Parker. Well, Henning is still on commentary and talks about how young guys like Benoit aren't respecting the veterans that came before them. A black armband can be seen on Chris's arm for Owen. Parker actually gets in a few shots in the corner start. I don't see him getting much more offence. Well, as you would expect, he charges into a boot in the corner and gets caught in the rolling Germans. Benoit chops the fucking shit out in the corner before hitting a quick belly-to-back suplex. Parker comes back with a power slam, only to get drop toe hold into the middle turnbuckle. The swan dive sets up the cross face, and Parker taps very quickly. It's always fun to see Benoit run over someone like this. Parker was older than dirt at this point. He's been getting beaten up for years now. That's probably why he's such a jerk down in the power plant. The match was just there for Benoit to show how awesome he was, because somehow that wasn't as established fact as the WWE... And we got a TV title match up next. It's Rick Steiner versus Buff Bagwell. Well, before the match, we get a chat from the Steiners. Scott rips on WWE saying they suck with Heenan saying, good point. After bragging about the red and black, we get a perfect Scott line as he calls himself the US champion and Rick, the United States television champion. Well, Bagwell charges the ring and hammers away at both Steiners, actually knocking Scott out to the floor. A quick drop kick puts Rick down and he starts going after Buff's next to take over. He ties Buff in a tree of woe so Scott can choke away from the floor. Well, Bagwell comes right back with a net break of his own, only to have Scott tripping for the floor. Scott gets in a few shots and Rick knocks Bagger out to the floor with a Steiner line. The brothers pull the mats back and Rick actually pile drives Buff on the hard, cold concrete floor. Well, things are about to get even worse with Scott holding Buff's neck, neck across barricade as Rick goes up top. We've got Sting in a monster truck in the aisle. Lex Luger in a Sting mask for some reason is driving. We cut the ring and Sting is there with a bat as we go to a break. So hang on a minute. A Sting monster truck, which we've seen before with Stone Cold, but Lex Luger driving it with a mask on. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, another match ends in a DQ or no contest because, heaven forbid, anyone have to job around here. At least the stuff with Rick was short, though I'm still waiting on Goldbo to come back and fight the Stars for what happened to him at Slambury. Instead, we're getting Sting and Luger teaming up until Luger turns heel again and starts yet another feud between him and Sting. Well, still on commentary and ripping on rap. So here's Conan to start a fight. They brawl into the ring with Conan beating the tar out of Kurt. Well, Mike Tanay's in the ring and calls out Jimmy Hart and Kurt Henning. Jimmy wants Mysterio out here right now to explain what happened earlier. Morris complains about the same guys having the same matches for four years now and wants to mix it up a bit. Again, they need to stop saying things that the critics are saying. Ray starts brawling with Morris and uses his usual springboard-based offense until Jimmy trips him up. You crush them in the corner with plants and with a huge power bomb, then get a chair, but Cole and the Kidman come in for the save. Well, here's Hollywood Hogan for his big return 
from knee surgery. He's still in a big knee brace and on crutches, but is being all heelish anyway. Hogan praises Nash because they're both part of the pack and says he's coming for Paige. We get a reference to Raw called the Triple X Porno Wrestling on the other channel. Hogan is the master of politics and has seen the people talking in the back, so he'll return soon. Brother! Well, Nash comes out for a chat because, heaven forbid, we get another match. After sucking up to the crowd, a la Piper. A la Piper. A la Piper. A la Piper. He gets to the point of Savage running around like a crazy man after the world title. Nash isn't hard to find. He'll be the guy with a big gold belt for a long time to come. That brings out the girls again with George's leg hurt again. Why she's wearing high heels while on crutches isn't clear, but at least she looks good. Indeed, yes. Well, Nash talks to Tony Sinner wrestle, but he's he'd rather see her box. <laughs> <laughs> the girls go after him and break a crutch over Nash's back. Easy. But it doesn't seem to have much effect. Savage coming out and nailing him with a belt does have an effect, though. We get lipstick on the face thing again, which is still... <laughs> Kind of stupid. It is fucking stupid. And our main event is Ruddy Piper with Dano versus Ric Flair, DDP, Bigelow. Well, after a break, Malenko in street clothes and Benoit come out to be Piper's partners. Piper has his ribs taped up from the attack earlier and thankfully is supporting a black armband of his, of his own. Unless I missed it, that's the second of the entire show. Paige and Malenko get things going, but Dean wants Flair instead. Once Flair is in, Benoit wants to fight. Instead, they take turns chopping each other's chest off until Benoit backdrops him down. Well, Benoit cleans house and clotheslines Bigelow out to the floor as everything breaks down. Flair finally gets back in and back into the little corner, which Heenan calls a bad neighbourhood. Thumb to the iron chop, put Benoit down, and the Jersey boys come in to take over. Bigelow headbutts him for two. Two. Break has to break. Uh, Page has to break up a backslide, but Bigelow misses the top rope headbutt. The hot tag brings in Piper, and here are Raven and Saturn to go after the Jersey guys for the DQ. Another one <laughs> for the love of all things good and holy. Stop with the fucking DQ endings. <laughs> you can't get a clean ending to any main event match round here, and I'm getting really fucking pissed off of it. Also, why in the world did we need Piper out there to give former World Tag Team Champions credibility? Heaven forbid Piper isn't around every two seconds to make things feel big. Well, it's a huge rule post-match for the good guys getting the better of it. Piper puts Flair in the figure four as Benoit stomps at him. Rick bails and we cut to the back where Hogan is standing over a fallen page to end the show. Oh, sweet goodness, this got old in a hurry. There were five matches in three hours. Think about that for a minute. Nothing broke ten minutes and they can only give us five matches. One being a battle royal that ended in a no contest. Well, obviously, there were major outside circumstances to major it. Major outside circumstances to it. But the ratings result for Nitro's 3.1, losing to WF 7.2. Nitro hadn't been that low for a regular show in over two years, only topped that once in the entirety of the Monday Night Wars. That was a disaster for Nitro and a sign that things had to change. Well, luckily for them, there actually was a glimmer of hope here. This idea of old versus new, albeit the same thing they did with WCW versus the NWO three years ago, has something to it, as you can see the battle lines being drawn. So we move on to our last episode of Nitro, and it's episode 193, and it's May 31st, and we're in the Astrodome, Houston, Texas. Easy for you to say. <laughs> Commentators are Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone, and we're two weeks away. Two. From the Great American Bash. And the main event is still dominating the card. Thankfully, we're getting some development on the rest of the card. And hopefully, the rise of Benoit and Malenko up the card. 
as the new young stars of the company. Well, Malenko is pushing 40 at this point, so he can only be so young, but you get the idea. Anyway, get on. We open with Raven arriving at the arena by getting attacked by Bigler and Paige in the parking lot. They throw him into a dumpster and slam the lid on his head. We get a recap of last week with Piper beating up Flair and the Horsemen turning on their leader. We see Tank Abbott getting into it with Rick Steiner on Thunder. And the announcers do their thing. And then that cunt DJ ran. And here's Eddie Guerrero for the first time this year after a horrible car wreck. The announcers welcome him back and show us some pictures of Eddie's. Eddie lists off his injuries and hopes to be back soon. Here we do some commentary to start things off. Well, it's good to see Eddie Guerrero back and they definitely need all the talent they can have. Uh, first match is Hack versus Kidman. Well, Hack has to lose the weapons to start, and Kidman actually tries to make it a wrestling match. I can't imagine it staying that way, but it's nice to pretend for a bit. They stay on the map for a bit with Kidman holding the head scissors, and now let's hear from Tank Abbott and his goons about being in a cage is hardcore. He has history in being in a cage, you see, and he's going to referee the TV title match tonight. Well, we cut back to the actual match with Kidman taking over again and a drop kick. Chastity gets in the eighth from a chair, allowing Hack to send Kidman face first into the steel. It's a weapons time now, and I guess it was a hardcore match the whole time. Kidman's being whipped into the ladder, but avoids a swanton through the table. He loads up the shooting star, but he's used Morris to shove him off. Somewhere during a no contest again in a hardcore match. Well, there was some decent wrestling to start, but then we went to the hardcore stuff and the because we can't do that stuff at some other point. I don't know why they insist on wasting Kidman on something like this when he's capable of having good matches with any talented guy you throw at him. Well, Brian Nobbs comes out to beat up Hack. And Flair is in his office and orders eight women to his room tonight. JJ Dillon says Savage's elbow is officially banned. So what else can he actually do? <laughs> uh, double axe smash from the top, I guess. We get a clip of Steiner and Abbott again on Thunder. And Eddie thanks the fans for believing in him. And here are Bigelow and Page with something to say. Page rips on the fans and says he knew he was wrong to put Hogan out with a knee injury. He tried to apologise, but last week Hogan knocked him out with a crutch as he was leaving. Bigelow and Page threatened to put Hogan on permanently injured list for turning their attention to Raven and Saturn. They took the trash out early and now don't want to wait for the Great America Bash for their title shot. Well, Canyon is going to take Raven's place in a tag team title match tonight. Oh, that cunt DJ Rand doesn't like Kurt Henning, not liking hip-hop. Can I have him advanced storylines now? Well, Kurt Henning comes out to the commentary desk and insists that rap is crap. Henning likes country music better and is going to sing a country song at DJ Rand's booth. Bobby Duncan Jr. comes out to sing it with Kurt and they belt out blame it on texas it's not really singing as much as rhythmic talking but they're trying conan and mysterio come out in their astros jerseys for the save and a tag match is made for later and then conan brawling last week wouldn't that fit better before this previous segment indeed yes but we go on to our next match and it's van hammer versus evan courageous well evan gets van hammer on to start and quickly putting a trio away he avoids a charge through and grabs a headlock and it'd be shoved away and shouldered down Head scissors takes down Hammer, but he counters with another attempt with a hot shot. He then plants him with a backbreaker and Vader clothesline for two. Two. Before putting him in the abdominal stretch. Made famous by Wilbur's 1930s. Evan actually hip tosses the big guy over only to get caught in a delayed vertical suplex. Hammer gets taken down again and a high cross body gets two. Two. But he grabs a Cobra crutch slam for a quick pin. 
Well, Hammer really needs the Cobra Clutch Slam. There's a move that almost anyone could do. And while it's decent for a power guy, he needs to do something that looks a bit more devastating. Or we just not have the Hammer on TV and see how well that works out for us. Indeed, yes. Well, here's Piper to say, God bless America, and talk about the horseman breaking up last week. He calls Flair a Gedling and asks Malenko to come out here for a chat. Piper praises Dean as the best cruiserweight of all time, but Dean doesn't say anything. He takes the mic and says, Flair walked out on the horseman last week, and it was just them responding. Well, this brings out Flair and Anson, but Dean cuts them off and says, the horseman weren't supposed to be about feeding Flair's ego. WWE needs to be about passing the torch and letting the younger guys get their chance on top. Flair says he hasn't met anyone worth passing the torch to yet. Well, Dean goes to Arn and says, last week he promised to have Arn's back anywhere, but that was last week. Piper and Flair get in a fight and Flair runs away. Naturally, that's the focus instead of Anderson and Malenka, Flair, Flair and Piper. Nitro girls! And Eric Bischoff joins commentary for no apparent reason. And we get Conan and Rey Mysterio versus Kurt Henning and Bobby Duncan Jr. Well, so much for Rey defending against Kidman, at least for now, it seems. Conan and Rey were wear what appear to be prison uniforms. The Cowboys try to sing a little bit, but gets drop kicked in the back to start fast. Mysterio drop kicks Kurt's leg and shouts West Side in the middle rope. Henning and Duncan are knocked to the floor for a breather as Bischoff praises Ray. Back in and Henning nails Mysterio in the ribs with the right hand before he's off to Duncan for a shoulder breaker. Well, back to Henning who hooks Ray across for the Bret Hart chest first bump to the buckle. The Cowboys keep up the fast tagging with Bobby throwing Mysterio around like a rag doll. Mysterio lays a quick drop kick to Henning and slides between Kurt's leg for the hot tag to Conan and the genuine eruption from the crowd. Then the tequila sunrise in Henning, but Duncan breaks that up with a cowbell for the DQ. Well, it's another culture clash feud, but at least most of the guys in it are worth watching. Duncan had the potential to be good, but the cowboy thing was only going to take him so far at this point. It's not a bad match, but it was a bit annoying. Again, with the cowboy cowbell ending, because it's another fucking DQ. And WCW was so obsessed with getting rid of the Southern identity, but they have that around. Yeah, and then they hogtied Conan, and he went, fuck it. Savage on his own with something to say. He talks about Nash being on his way to the arena when Medusa comes out to say Nash is here. Savage calls Nash out for later in another segment that didn't need to be in the arena. Well, Paige and Bigelow in the back standing over an unconscious canyon. (gasps) And it's David Flair versus Eric Watts. Holy sweet mother of fucking Jesus Christ, God Almighty, Mary Magdalene shit in my face. This cannot be serious. Bischoff just burying both guys, saying Eric got his push because of his dad, Bill Watts, and that David absolutely sucks. Well, no shit, Sherlock. He had to write at some point. He even says that his son would have been a winning record if he was in charge. There was warning signs of Garrett Bischoff coming in and no one stopped him. (laughs) (laughs) Eric hammers away to start and clotheslines Flair out to the floor. He rams David into the buckle a few times and yells at Papa Flair. David manages to avoid a drop kick and tries a figure four only to get kicked out to the floor. He's back in for two. Two. And what starts picking him up every time. David is tortured with a rock bottom, pump handle slam, and a chin lock slam. He loads up another rock bottom, but Anderson sneaks in for a spine buster to give David the pin. Well, this is the kind of match that you see on lists of like, the worst possible matches that you could imagine. Like You say this is a joke instead of something that could actually happen. That's what we're dealing with here, because WWE actually did it. Raw could be airing a midget brawl for all against this, and I might not be a stupid idea. And I, that is a fucking brilliant idea. Little person's brawl for all, I would be there. In 
Indeed, yes. Well, we get a video on Sa- Savage versus Nash. And then Buff tells Flair he wants Savage again tonight, but it's given a suitable replacement, Bobby Eaton. Buff says, does he even work here anymore? Either way, Bagwell promises to hurt him tonight. Well, Ernest Miller comes out to call Norton out for a fight. Well, at least that's what I think he's saying, as Bischoff keeps talking about how the company in New York is beating them right now, and he's partially to blame. Anyway, here's Norton, and we get a bell. Yep, so the cat versus Scott Norton, and Norton immediately nails cat with headbutts and knocks him for a loop. He hammers away in the corner as we see the black and white laughing in the locker room with cat down in the corner. Sonny slips... Sonny slips him a crowbar to knock Norton City for the surprise pin. And the black and white runs out of the locker room. Well, here are Savage and the girls again because we haven't seen them enough of them. Well, okay, that's not true in George's case. Nothing is said before Nash's music comes on and here's a tall guy in a drag wearing a replica belt. Savage says this is a match so we'll get a bell allowing Savage and the girls to get in shots such as a top rope hurricanrana from Miss Madness and the middle rope elbow from George. Well, Savage drops the band elbow, uh, top rope elbow for a pin before celebrating with the belt. Again, is there a point to this or are we supposed to draw our own conclusions? For some reason, Bischoff thinks Miss Madness is a man. It's not. It's Molly Holly. And we get Nitro Girls. We get a recap of Bagwell beating Savage by DQ on Thunder. That would be the second time Bagwell beat Savage by DQ on Thunder. And now we're getting Buff Bagwell versus Bobby Eaton. Well, for some reason, Bischoff goes on a rant about how worthless Jesse Ventura was on commentary. Eaton hammers away to start and goes after Bagwell's face, only to get monkey flipped and drop kicked to slow him down. Two boots in the corner stop a charging Eaton and a clothesline drops in for two. Well, Buff misses a charge and falls to the floor before taking a swing and net break in the ring. Bischoff keeps up his tire over ripping on Bagwell for no apparent reason before switching over to Conan. Buff comes back with a suplex and hip toss followed by a blockbuster for the pin. Well, we look at Raven getting taken out earlier. And the tag team titles on the line. It's Saturn versus Bam Bam Bigelow with Diamond Dallas. What? It's Saturn versus Bam Bam Bigelow and Diamond Dallas Page. Well, Bischoff calls Page one of the biggest mistakes he's made. Saturn grabs a mic and says he'll keep the titles by himself tonight. Page calls Saturn stupider than he looks. And that is pretty stupid. So, yeah, Saturn is stupid because he's going to face DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow for the titles. So Saturn on two. So how well can he do with the tag team titles on the line? Well, Paige is really going up in the world. Um, he's just lost his WWE Heavyweight Championship. And uh, now he's going for the tag team titles, teaming with Bam Bam Bigelow against Saturn on his own. Or maybe Saturn, who with Raven taken out earlier, took out Canyon in the back to kind of even the odds. So this should be an interesting matchup. And Bigelow, I guess, just needs to take his time here. And a lock up and Bam Bam easily powers Saturn over. It's the battle of the bald-headed beard behemoths. The bald-headed warrior's going to go at it. Bang, bang, Bigelow. I don't know what this wrong on. Fuck it. Bigelow with Irish whip at Saturn with the boots up. And now with the knees. Going to come off the second. Lovely drop kick by Saturn. Inverted atomic drop. Springboard crossbody. Deed the ring. Saturn ducks a clothesline and hits Paige with a clothesline of his own. Irish whips him into Bam Bam Bigelow. Belly to belly overhead suplex from Saturn. And then eliminates Bam Bam from the Royal Rumble. And then drop kicks DDP out of the ring. Well, maybe Saturn can get the job done here tonight. Yeah, Saturn's absolutely cleaning up at the moment. Well, Bigelow and Paige don't know what to do. Going to have to come up with a new game plan as we go to an ad break. 
When we talk about Champions League, as you know, they've taken a break in action, we will. Over the WF, for me, it's quite easy to keep a track who's champion. European Championship's been retired. Hardcore belongs to Al Snow at the moment. Tag teams, the Acolytes, we saw them win the championship. In the Continental title, of course, Jeff Jack, we know the world champion is. WSW, Dan, can you name me all the champions at this moment in time? Um, Rick and Scott Steiner are TV champion and US champion. Yep. Uh, Nash is heavyweight champion. Saturn and someone is cruiserweight champion is Rey Mysterio. Yeah, so there we go. So it's still quite easy to follow at the moment. <laughs> was the that the point are. you were trying to make? Yeah, no, I was just trying to, sit, trying to work it out because I think this, what you know, tag team titles probably not been used as well recently. And it might make a little bit more sense, heaven forbid, the Steins get more gold, but maybe becoming tag team champions and having that going from as well and eventually leading towards trying to go for the world title. I don't know if they want to do that. Worst case is Steins get involved in another group, you know, be it Kevin Nash or whatever it is. We're involved there. It's a cruiserweight title not really getting treated the best at this moment, you would say. Well, it's only going between three guys, and there's a hugely vasted, talented lot of guys that could legitimately go for the cruiserweight title, which I think is ridiculous. And now Bigelow's got Saturn down. But WWE still has the talent, even though we've not seen Goldberg for two weeks. You know, we've still got people like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko. He's kind of uh, getting pushed back down and out again at the yeah. moment, I suppose. Well, Jericho now's contract is... Uh, it's been stated that he's going to leave, so he's been barely featured at all, you know, if any now. That's yeah, another, then. you know, that's another talent that you could say they dropped the ball with him. And what's tr- interesting, it's time, Perry Saturn, people like Chris Benoit are frustrated with their position in the car. And this is a, maybe WCW's chance with Old versus New to build on that. Indeed, yes. And, uh, you know, there's they have got a hugely talented roster if they use them in the right way. They just, I just don't see them as, as if they are. Mm. You know, uh, if I was in charge at this point, there's a lot of different things I would do. I wouldn't have all these stupid DQ finishes. You know, there's there's a wide range of... You know, I'd let new, fresh people go for the title belts as well. There would be no NWO, Black and White or Wolfpack. Um, Hogan, Flair, Piper and Savage probably wouldn't be getting used as much. They can be used, as we saw with like the tag team match from a couple of weeks ago, in that way... And they're kind of adding something, but they shouldn't be the main focus in the story like we've seen since yeah. then with Macho Man. You know, I think therein lies the problem. I don't think these guys' egos are good enough to actually stay in check and be a part of it. They want to be the number one guy, and I think therein lies the problem. Like I said, they tried it with DDP making the main event, and now he's back in the tag team title hunt just a couple of months later, you know? Or a couple yeah, of weeks because, later. Because he was super over his face, and then he gets the title and turns heel. Yeah, I know. It's a poison chalice. It's not happened to Nash yet, though. But it has to Macho Man trying to chase it. It has indeed, yeah. Of but, course. You know, of you course. know, I'll definitely give Benoit a chance. I'd give Eddie Guerrero a chance at the heavyweight championship, even Booker T at mm. this time. But we're going to give everybody a choice next month to what paper you watch King of the Ring 1999, which I'm not saying I prefer, but, you know, we've been talking about that, the King of the Ring tournament. Or, of course, there is a Great American Bash 1999. As we already know, it's going to be Macho versus Nash. We'll put the poll up. Uh, as soon as this episode released, and and let hope everybody picks the right option. <laughs> How many fake Twitter accounts are you going to make to vote on the one you want, James? Well, emails are welcome as well to explain the choices they made if they want to send or that choice. To, you know. there's, yeah. there's multiple ways of contacting us and uh, sharing your opinion and. James probably won't listen to some of the opinions. Well, it, dep- it depends, you know. I don't know if people 
want to see more WCW or they want to follow the Attitude Era in its glory. You know, I'm not, not going to... But then, you know, saying that a lot of people have <laughs> followed the Attitude Era throughout and, you know, they're not as familiar with WCW, so might want to see yeah, some of what's going true. on with WCW. But again, it's either your choice and if it becomes a success, then it could be a thing that we might do more or further down the line. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we got... The traditions that we always do as in Halloween Havoc we've got coming up this year as well at WSW. But we were short at WSW event, so like I said, we, we give people a choice and, and hopefully they'll pick the right way. If not, I'll never <laughs> do it again. You know, this is what I'm saying. But don't feel pressured into picking the one James wants because James is a spot little brat that always wants to get his own way. And if he doesn't get his own way, he spits his dummy out and it'd be funny for me. So everyone, don't vote no, for don't King say, of the Ring. No, no, no. Oh, no, you're, oh, vote, yeah. you're getting everyone to vote for it, so I'm being the other side. I want me. Great American Bash. So I want... Well, vote for a Great American Bash and give James what he wants. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get what I want. As Paige, I don't think Saturn's going to get what he wants. As Paige has taken over, now tags in Bam Bam. He comes off the top with a diving headbutt, but Saturn moves out of the way. And Saturn trying to do this two on one. Jawbreaker from Saturn sends it back into the corner. DDP gets the tag in, jumps over the top rope, misses with a clothesline, gets caught with a super kick to the jaw. And Saturn hits one for DDP, uh, for Bam Bam Bigelow as well. Scoop slam, but DDP looking for the diamond cutter gets pushed off into Bam Bam Bigelow. Schoolboy roll up to. Oh, oh no, Paige managing to kick out. Oh. And straight back on the attack to Saturn. Now DDP can't believe it. Saturn's got Paige up. Going to go for the Death Valley driver. Hits it. One, two, three. No! No! Page managing to kick out. Uh, and now Saturn's got Bigelow up. Oh, Death Valley driver for Bigelow. Well, all three men down at the moment. And now here comes Canyon, who was out earlier, and he wants to tag. He wants to tag from Saturn. Well, now we've got a tag team match. Canyon there to help. Canyon was said he's attacked in the back. Canyon gets the tag in. But gets caught by DDP. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, and DDP and Bigelow become your new WWE Tag Team Champions thanks to Canyon's one knockout effort. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... I can't, the only saving grace in that is it protects Saturn a bit, I think. Yeah, Saturn looked really cool. He had the job done at one point, didn't he? Until uh, maybe his gravest mistake was tagging in Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> but we have got new tag team champions. Well, Savage and the girls are trying to leave in the limo, but it's blocked by a septic truck. You can see it coming from here. Nash is driving, gets out, put a hose in the sunroof, and the villains get sprayed. Nash says something about this portion of Nitro has been brought to you by septic services. For your savage septic needs. Okay, that was quite a funny line. And then we get that cunt DJ round again. And the cage is being lowered to the ring, or is the ring hiring up to the cage? Who knows? It's a TV title on the line, and it's going to be Rick Steiner versus Sting. In a cage with a roof. Steiner defending, and Tank Abbott as the guest referee. 
Now, this was Bischoff's, or WSW's great idea with Tank Abbott. They had seen the success with Ken Shamrock and decided to go, or basically do the same with Tank Abbott. And there is a story coming out about up, about him, which is hilarious, you know. Uh, but we'll see Tank Abbott and we'll talk about him more. From he, He's an ultimate fighter, so he's here to have some legitimacy and he'd pull no shit in this main event. But here's Sting. And again, no Goldberg. Don't know where Goldberg's gone. But we have got Sting, who is now teaming with Luger, but he's coming out. Yeah, well, Rick came out alone. He's, he was without Scott. But Sting must be able to get a job done here, surely. Well, don't call me Shirley, but you're thinking the steel cage match. Mano y Mano, Sting will get the job done. So this is going up against Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Undertaker for the WF title. What match piques your interest more? Um, it would have to be Stone Cold versus The Undertaker. Yeah, but this cage has got a door on it. Uh, but this cage has got a roof on it, Dan. Yeah, but Stone Cold's got Stone Cold in it. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, the franchise player Sting's going to go for the TV title here. Tank Abbott. Well, he looks a bit like Stone Cold Steve Austin, if Stone Cold Steve Austin... Was a crack addict. Wore oversized t-shirts? Not even now, is it? Like... If Stone Cold decides to, to let you know, let go a little bit, yeah, I mean, it'll be fair to say. Now Sting grabbing hold of that roof and using it on Rick, bouncing I guess against all sides of the cage. You don't really see that many steel cages here on Nitro or in WCW, so it does feel a little bit special. It does, but it's still cage with a roof, hell in a cell, smaller. And now Rick Steiner just beating up Sting. This time, they're just trying to be like a WWF substitute as their own product then, do you reckon? Yeah. A lot of people are tuning out when they could change a lot of things, but they just don't. I think, you know, you could even change that and go, right, we're going to go more kind of more wrestling orientated and have rules and not, you know, have finishes. And but You know, like Ring of Honor did in the early days, like a code of... That could have worked well as a kind of alternative and gone like, right, this is for traditional wrestling fans who just want to see, you know, guys going along. Yeah. As opposed to like kind of watered down attitude. Don't get me wrong, I think the Steiners to go against Sting or Goldberg would have been interesting, but with Lex Luger involved, I'm not sure. And the WWE is so hot at the moment, WWE need to regroup and come back with something as opposed to just kind of throwing everything they've got at the moment. That is that indeed, yeah. And Sting's got Rick caught in between the ropes and the cage and just beating him at the moment. Hits him with a splash one time, goes for a second, but Rick moving out the way and Sting just bouncing off the side <laughs> of that cage. And Tank Abbott, is this more of his domain? You know, he's used to fighting in a cage style Wrapped of uh, arena. You know, and he'll be looking on and hoping to get his uh, feet wet soon in WSW. Rick Steiner in the main event? I don't like Rick Steiner. I like the idea of the Steiners, but he's there to be beaten. You know, I, yeah. He's just so plodding at the moment as well. He makes Sting look bad, and Sting's looked really good since he's come back. <laughs> he has, yeah. Well, Tank Abbott's saying he's not going to go for the pin. So I guess the only way we see knockout? Escaping over the top of the cage. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's through the Getting locked out through door. The door no, with no, a no, chain no, round no. it. Death. Death, maybe. Maybe. I mean, the fan getting bored to death as opposed to the wrestler in ring would be yeah. more of a chance. Oh, Sting with a low blow, low, getting out of submission. Lovely drop kick from Sting. Can he try and turn this up and turn it into a, at least a half-decent match? 
And now Sting with a clothesline. Feeling momentum. Sting looking for a splash, but Rick getting his knees up. And now Sting is in trouble because Rick Stein's got him up. And a gut buster. No, but Sting with a back slide and looking for a test of strength. But he's got his arms around the wrong way. But no, I don't think... still trying. I don't think he can get him. Maybe he's trying to get him down. Maybe it's submission. Rick's got hold of the ropes now. Big back elbow from Sting. Dropping Rick to his knee. Followed by a huge right hand. But Rick with a finger to the eyes. And the Rick is really terrible at selling, isn't he? And he's just awful overall. Like, I'm not really seeing anything to kind of... Oh, yeah, he's the guy we're going to put in the main event, you know. He didn't even Irish whip Sting, and Sting just ran flat out into that corner. Sting a splash, but Tank Abbott pulls Rick out of the way and just hits Sting once from behind. And Well, don't forget he's an ultimate fighter, so he can. And they're trying to throw rubbish in, but there's a cage up around the ring, people. That's the whole point. And now this cage match has turned into a... Oh, don't you fucking dare. Not a no contest in a cage match. And now they got Sting with tape. And he's Sting's hands to the top. Sting has been taped to the top rope. And Rick is just using him as a punching and kicking bag. Well, Tank Abbott has got out of the ring. He's walking up the aisle by the look of things. Tank Abbott, who was sweating profusely in that cage. Well, even though someone's throwing drinks Oh, good. Well, Tank Abbott there with his kind of people at ringside. His goons. His entourage. Montourage. Honestly. What an awful cage match. That was. I don't think I've ever seen a worse one. Honestly, I don't. I, even the kennel from hell was better than that. Yeah. And that was shit. I mean, it's not even, like, ridiculously bad. It's just, like, bad, you know? Like, Tank Abbott is now, like, the main story in Nitro. <laughs> It actually is, as he's walking away. So, did, did this actually cage match go to a no contest? Yeah, yeah, there's still cage match went to a no contest. So, the question we asked ourselves as WWF went off the air, who is the greater power? What are the implications? And Nitro's, oh, what about Tank Abbott, eh? Let me get this straight. We had two and a half hours of Bischoff's out there commentary. Tank Abbott screwing over Sting for a no contest in a cage match. A no contest in a hardcore match. Henning singing, more Flair versus Piper and one of the worst possible matches in the history of wrestling. I know I've said this before, but it can't get any worse than this, can it? Well, now, to be fair, there's some decent stuff in there, such as the tag team title match and most of the Horseman segment, but the bad just cripples anything the good could do for the show. The big story in somewhere, and that doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon, is far more old versus old, with talk of the old versus new not going anywhere. There's still time, but we need to get there and actually fire up the company a little bit. But that is it, and of course we'll be back next month for more WWF. Like we said, it's your choice what paper you would be, WWF or WCW. Our next episode will be the WWE Network Review for May. Of course, we'll bring you NXT Update, NXT UK, and of course our trip to Raw. And but Dan, what have you thought about Raw and Nitro this month? Raw has been absolutely on point. It makes me want to tune into the next episode and want to keep in touch with it. It's kept me gripped in. The wrestling isn't 100% perfect, but at least it's telling the story and, you know, you're kind of seeing the rise of some of the company's biggest ever stars as well. And you know that it's actually going to go somewhere and you're going to get a good payoff. Whereas WCW, you're like, what the fuck is going every fucking week? It's like, you know, there was 
was it five matches in a three-hour show, um, and none of them went over ten minutes. So you've got fifty minutes of three hours. So you've got two hours and ten minutes of just talking and absolute fucking bullshit, mm. which is like, what's the what? Why? It, it, it's like you know when you, you like, how did WWE go on? It's like how did WWE go under? You know, it's like looking at it. And it's actually kind of like, I don't know if it's like eating itself, but you can see the the problems. You can see it getting worse and worse and no one actually doing it, you know. And it's like, you know, you know when a friend goes down a fucking dark alley or something like that and you're just like, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And WSW is exactly the same. It's like, you know what you're doing wrong and you keep doing the same things over and over again. And the fans will, will not keep up with it. Fans will be like, well, there's no point watching this. It will end in a no DQ and the story will be continued through. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same thing they're getting and they're tuning out. And yeah... Uh, WF might have no finishes in some contests, but when it comes to like the pay-per-views and the payoffs, they're they're getting it, you know. Uh, uh, and even with Austin losing the title, we're getting that excitement of who the greater power is and leading to there. And, and with WSW, it's just like where the fuck was Goldberg, you know? In in three weeks after Slambury, to to seek retribution out, he wasn't there. Whether it be filming or something like this, you could have had a storyline of oh Goldberg was taken out by the bad guys. It's just it's a shame, but we will carry on the journey regardless next month. And like I say, it would be your choice and your fault what we watch. Anyway, that is it. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or at Vince McDan WWE. I'm at John Score Rollins. We're on Instagram, the WNR Podcast. Of course, all the Google platforms send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Facebook, you can come find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review Podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast there. Clips on YouTube and, of course, podcasts go up on YouTube at the same time they do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Speaker Radio, we've got a live show, Stitch Radio and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate and review there. Don't stop there. We have got a new website that's going to be made by SummerSlam. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. And you can find links to all of our Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram accounts on there. And it's the W... <laughs> you know what it is. The WNRpodcast.com. Yes! Yes! <laughs> There's com. Find us there and uh, enjoy. So, yeah, next episode is the WNR for May. But until then, as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>